Hello everyone, welcome to a special edition of Games Are Fun. Today's episode is our Final Fantasy VII full review episode. Unlike our regular episodes, this episode will be completely dedicated to Final Fantasy VII Remake. Joining me on this episode is my Games Are Fun co-host, Luke Armstrong, along with our guest, fellow RPG slash Final Fantasy fan, my brother Stephen Beagle. Uh, how you doing today, Luke? I'm doing well, all things considering... <laughs> Seeing as this is our, our take two, which we can expand on a little bit. But yep. uh, yeah, I'm finally, we're finally, I, I said that last time, but we're recording the episode, so I'm pumped to talk about Final Fantasy VII. Indeed. How about you, Steven? Doing really well today. Uh, yeah, like you guys, I'm, I'm ready to uh, finally get this down and uh, get it out to the peoples. Yeah. <laughs> So before we jump into the episode here, uh, there's a couple things uh, we'll just mention right off the bat. So first off, this is take two. Uh, we had some technical difficulties in our first recording. We made it about two and a half hours in, and then we lost the recording. Um, so now we're we're working from scratch here, but we're gonna uh, you know keep it high quality as ever. Um, and so, yeah, so moving on, uh, regular episodes of Games Are Fun, they air uh, every Tuesday. Each week we get together to discuss the biggest topics in the video game industry, give impressions on games we've been playing, and uh, just keeping up with, with everything in general. We've got our, our ear to the ground on the industry, and we're bringing it uh, all to you guys. Uh, we're available on 11 podcast platforms, including Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and a whole bunch more. Um, just search for Games Are Fun on whatever podcast you listen to, and you can find us there. Uh, if this is your first time checking out Games Are Fun, we encourage you to check out some of our other episodes. We've got a great back catalog of of all sorts of uh, reviews, game information, uh, and just general fun uh, gaming talk. Um, so if you're interested in any of that, please uh, give us a follow. Um, and, and subscription, really, uh, on whatever platform you're, you're listening on. And uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, please consider leaving us a re review. It definitely goes a long way. Um, any, any platform where you're able to do that, we'd really appreciate that. Um, with that, we do also have a, uh, a slightly larger piece of news. And Luke, I'm going to pass this over to you to uh, kind of explain. Yeah, so Garrett tweeted this out on his personal Twitter account at LP Panther. But Garrett, uh, with everything going on in the world right now with the pandemic um, and stuff going on in his personal life, he's expecting a, a new baby on the way. Uh, there's a lot going on for him right now. So he's just kind of taking a step back from Games Are Fun. He's still part of our, our family here but uh he's not going to be able to commit to making the the show every single week and everything like that so for the time being yeah he's just going to take a step back and then whenever he feels ready to to come back on then we'll we'll have him on the show and it's entirely possible in talking to garrett that you know there might be an odd episode here and there that he can jump jump in but uh just wanted to mention that to you guys if you've been wondering where where's garrett been so that's that all right, so uh, so this review is of of course gonna cover some some major spoilers that happen uh, in Final Fantasy VII Remake. We'll probably travel into spoiler territory for the original Final Fantasy VII as well. Um, so really, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna kind of split things up here. We're gonna have uh, the first part of the show is gonna be overall thoughts, uh, discussion on combat, soundtrack, progression. 
um, as well as maybe some things that that we maybe didn't care for about the game. Um, we will give a warning before we delve deep into the spoiler and plot details for uh, those that haven't made it through uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake or even maybe for those that haven't even played it yet or uh, even those that are interested in the original Final Fantasy VII and haven't played that yet. So we will have a warning there to let you know when we're going to get into those spoilers. But um, not yet because we got a lot of non-spoiler stuff to talk about. Uh, starting with just our quick impressions. So this is kind of like um, our kind of what we thought of the game, uh, sort of where we are progression-wise, how many hours we've played, um, that sort of thing. So, so Luke, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so starting off, I really, really like Final Fantasy VII Remake. Be- before this game came out, I was, you know, I've talked about it on the show before, Final Fantasy is a franchise that I'm not super familiar with. I've only played 15 and 10 and a bit of 10-2, I believe. And then every every other exposure I've had to Final Fantasy has been through like my older sister, who is a fan of the series, and then just what I know from talking to you, Adam, and Steven. But yeah, Final Fantasy is a, a big blind spot when it comes to my gaming knowledge. So when 7 was announced, I was really excited because I knew 7 was a a key entry in the franchise and I was excited to be able to try it out in a modern day game kind of way as opposed to going back and playing a 20 year old video game so I was really excited for it but uh, I didn't really expect to like it as much as I ended up enjoying it Uh, just due to the fact that JRPGs aren't my typical go-to game but I wanted to give this one a shot because it was such a uh, a highly anticipated release and so yeah really enjoyed it from pretty much start to finish I had very little to criticize over it uh, there's a couple things that I will mention later in the show that I th- thought could be executed differently but overall yeah really enjoyed it it took me about 35 hours to complete uh, roughly because I kind of stopped looking at the in-game clock counter or whatever uh, near like the last two or three chapters so I don't know how long the last you know two chapters took me to complete and then once I completed it I haven't really picked it up since but I do actually plan on going back and playing through some of the side quests I missed and whatnot but yeah overall really enjoyed it cool how about you Steven yeah I'm with Luke except you know I I did grow up with the franchise uh you and you and I Adam we we played the, the heck out of Final Fantasy games growing up, and Seven was no exception. Um, and uh, you know, I always mention it. Uh, this is this was the game that one of our most notorious memories comes from, where I deleted your <laughs> best save file that you possibly could ever have. And um, you know, and beyond that, it, there's a ton of other good memories that come along with it. And whenever they announced the the game, like it was just kind of like finally, you know, really there's a lot of excitement around it. Um, I knew it was a day one purchase for me um uh progression update basically i rolled credits at 42 hours about 42 hours just over um and then i my so far my end game stuff has been going back to do um arena fights uh getting into the uh the the vr um the vr battles basically and just completing them and uh, uh enjoying that stuff talking with chadley more you know things along those lines and um 
Yeah, I just I've I have a I'm 100 percent impressed and my expectations have have been exceeded um, with this game for sure. Nice. Yeah. And um, for me, like like you said, like this is this is one of our uh, one of the games we grew up with. Right. Uh, Especially, you know, when it comes to RPGs. And so when they announced this, it, it was just this crazy crazy surreal feeling and like you said like yes finally um but just yeah but at the same time it's like oh my god like they have huge shoes to fill too because the original game was so good like are they going to be able to stay faithful to to the original and everything and and they nailed it they stayed really close to the source material at least uh for the midgar section because again this is just a small portion of what was in the original Final Fantasy. They, they basically stretched out uh, what was originally three to four hours of the original Final Fantasy VII and turned it into a full uh, 35, 40-hour game. So um, they managed, even with all that, they, they stayed really close to the source material. They did uh, a fantastic job with it. I uh, basically played this game almost nonstop for the first four days that it came out. So yeah, I mean, roughly about 10 hours a day. Uh, the first four days I took some time off work and I, I rolled credits somewhere around the 40 hour mark. Uh, since then I've been going back, doing some cleanup, uh, collecting things like that, trying to get some trophies. Maybe, uh, I I've done close to, uh, close to half the game on hard mode. And, um, I have, I think about 56 hours at this point. So still still chugging along at that, although it's been um, been a little while since I picked it up, you know, just getting distracted with other games and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, I think they totally nailed it. They did a fantastic job and uh, it, it it actually exceeded my expectations. Like I expected a lot from it and they they still kind of blew the shoes off my feet with it. So, yeah, really, really pleased with the way it turned out. So all that being said. Uh, let's move on uh, a little bit. Talk about the story. Just kind of your your general thoughts on the main story of the game. Obviously, without getting in, into any spoilers for it, um, just curious to see how you enjoyed the story overall. The, the story is just kind of a small part. Uh, it's a large part, really, but um, only part of the overall experience. So, uh, Stephen, what do you think of the story? Yeah. So you you. you said before uh taking three to four hours of that original gameplay and extending it out to a a 40 plus hour game i was really interested to see how they were going to do that and how the story was going to be uh kind of manipulated in a way to fit that size of a game so you know as you get into it and they begin to introduce the characters to you and you're you know and you go into that first mission and you kind of you're you're doing the attack on the maker reactor and um uh, you start to kind of see how they're going to do it. All the places have gotten bigger now. Um, all the characters now, uh, even some of the more side characters, uh, have all been developed into into uh, bigger and and better characters for the game. Um, getting into uh, some of the some of the later chapters, and even even a little bit in the earlier chapters, you start tapping into these new areas that weren't in the original game, but they feel like they fit perfectly, and it it kind of uh, uh, 
uh, puts a bow on Midgar and the idea of Midgar that we had going into this. So um, chapter six is one that I'll mention now and mention a little bit later about uh, it probably in the visuals part uh, when we get into this. But chapter six is one of those chapters where it is a, a completely new section of the game and uh, it it fits. It's not like it's it's not like it's forced or anything. And that's pretty much how the entire story goes, is that you have these expansions that occur in the world uh, that we know. But yet it it feels like it fits perfectly. It doesn't feel like it's forced just to make the game bigger and longer. It all flows together and makes sense. And um, it is throughout throughout the chapters, uh, you just get these different different places where the uh, the game has been expanded, and it and it all makes perfect sense. And and uh, storyline wise, um, it, you were saying about sticking to the source material, and they really did. Like they you. You play through this game, um, and it just really uh, keeps you right on track with how Final Fantasy VII uh, uh, progresses while in that Midgar phase, while twisting in some of those um, those extra pieces that you get a little bit later on in the original game uh, to, uh, to, again, just make it all make sense and be bigger and better than before. Yes, indeed. Uh, Luke, what did you think of this story? Yeah, so going into the game, having not played the original, I had no knowledge really of Final Fantasy VII stories, just apart from what I had seen online and what I know of the game and everything like that. So I playing through it, I don't, I didn't necessarily know like you guys did of what was added, um, you know, what was removed. Although I think there was more added than uh, omitted omissions, but. The the overall story I thought was pretty solid. It's uh, very clear that it is a part one of of a story, right? Uh, we knew that obviously going into it, but even just taking the game itself on its own, you can tell that the story is supposed to continue. I I saw it kind of almost like the Fellowship of the Ring uh, for the Lord of the Rings, right? We we still need to see how this un adventure unfolds and everything like that. And I think they did a really solid job at someone like me who doesn't necessarily know where the story is going to to go. Uh, really excited for, for, for that um, because of what I've seen through this first part and everything. The, the world itself is really, uh, really, really cool, like Midgar and just how they learning about Midgar and the history surrounding the characters that you come into contact with, uh, even just the NPCs that you pass by in certain sections of the map, hearing them talk about this world and everything. Uh, it, it just really is well-rounded. And I, yeah, I, I have to say I'm not normally a fan of JRPGs because sometimes the story can be a little too anime, you know, a little too, over the top and uh, somewhat cheesy for my taste. And I felt a little bit of that playing through the game. There were certainly moments that I kind of rolled my eyes at <laughs> just because it was, it was silly or like, you know, there was moments where, Hey, the stakes are really high right now. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening in this world and the characters are reacting like none of it's really going on you know what i mean so there was a little moments like that that i felt the tone of the characters and everything didn't necessarily line up with of what what was happening in in 
the world and what the plot was of this game and everything. So besides those little inconsistencies there, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it overall. Nice. Yeah. Um, it was really, you know, when it comes to story, there's, um, not too much, you know, too much else I can say other than, um, you know, it, it felt like, and it felt like final fantasy seven and just in, in the best way, really, um, you know, the story was familiar, but there were still, still new pieces to, uh, kind of uncover and, you know, kind of, um, you know, still new things that I'm learn. you know, that I was learning throughout the game. So just mm-hmm. that extra lore and kind of the different sort of, uh, twists that they, they added on things. They really kept it exciting, even for those that like knew what was going to happen and kind of some of the things, uh, turned out a little bit differently from the original, but, uh, it, it was done in a way that wasn't, um, you know, it was, it was actually quite good. And, uh, you know, it, it resonated very well with me and I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, it just, it felt like Final Fantasy VII, but, you know, for the modern era. So they they knocked it out of the park um, as far as I, I w- I'm concerned about the story. But then again, when you have that much of a story to go off of, you have the bones uh, of the story. You know, they they had a lot of good, good bones to work with. So um, really great job of that and just kind of fleshing th- things out from mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, story, really enjoyed it. Um, gameplay, though, is uh, really a shining star for this game. So definitely want to touch base on uh, some of the ga- gameplay portions, uh, specifically the start, the combat, difficulty, and, and kind of character progression, because all that stuff kind of fits in together. So, uh, Luke, tell me, tell me what you thought about that a little bit. So people who know me and my video game taste, I... I hold story over gameplay, usually in in terms of things I care about. Uh, I'm a sucker for a good narrative. Um, I've played lots of games that are janky as hell and somewhat broken, uh, but I I power through that because I just like the story so much. Now, Final Fantasy VII Remake is a game that I like it. Uh, I like the story, like I said, but the selling point for me was the gameplay, everything that you were doing in the game, specifically the combat system so yeah i am not a fan of turn turn based combat and obviously the original that's what that was with this remake they they took that kind of core foundation and kind of combined it with real-time action combat right so you still had the ability to switch through your characters and pick attacks and stuff like that but doing it in real time uh, was really really cool I yeah I, I really enjoyed um, just how much detail they put into every single piece of the combat uh, for every character that you get to play as so Cloud, Tifa, Aerith, Barrett I felt that each one of them was really well polished um, each of their you know being able to to strategize when you came up to an enemy on who how you were were going to tackle them, you know, using Barrett's range with his his gun and then going to Cloud where he has to get in a little bit closer and stuff like that. So I thought that they did that really well. And in terms of the difficulty in, in this combat and gameplay, I didn't find it too challenging. There were a couple 
bosses that gave me a bit of grief, but it was more of some of the 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 monsters that you encountered through your playthrough that I actually found somewhat tougher. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of my deaths, actually, most of my deaths were probably from a stupid monster that I came across that I just got caught off guard and didn't have the right strategy to, to beat them or whatever. But yeah, I played the game on normal. I don't know if I mentioned that at the top of the show. And yeah, I, I thought that it was never too difficult and when there were times that it was a bit of a challenge all I had to do was kind of take the resources that they gave me really learn how they work and and utilize them I yeah I once I kind of got my my feet wet in the beginning of the game and understood how the combat system works I kind of was able to strategize and I basically used that strategy you know of how I, what abilities I used and what spells I used and when to switch characters. Uh, I used that basically through my entire playthrough and didn't change that up too much. You know, if there was a certain enemy that was a little bit, had had a bit of a different attacks or maybe more ranged attacks or something, then I adjusted. But um, yeah, I, I like that, the fact that I could come up with that and it worked through my entire playthrough. And I also like the fact that it didn't, it wasn't one way to, to engage in the combat, right? We, we talked about this on our first recording, but just how how you could play and engage in the combat completely differently in, in different ways and still end up you know, successful and stuff, which I thought was a, a highlight for sure from how they developed this game. So, and then, yeah, character progression was uh, something that I didn't really pay too much time focusing on you know they're each character obviously you can level up I didn't even really worry about grinding their levels out um, when it came to different weapons you know I look at the statistics and stuff like that but when it came to upgrading them or, or changing changing uh, the, what I wanted the to spend my points on and stuff I, I kind of just stuck with like I said stuck with what I what I felt comfortable in and got used to at the beginning of the game and just rode that out. You know, as I unlocked and gained access to new materia, I would try those out. But again, I just, even when I would try out a new one, I found myself going back to what I knew best and stuff. So yeah, the, the, and I will talk about this more in visuals and everything like that. But I, I just thought the count, combat itself was, visually really well done and the animations behind each attack right um like this each spell was unique and felt unique and even the abilities that cloud had or barrett had were were cool and you know how they work and when to use those so across the board i just thought that the combat system was was excellent um it really does take a little if you come in hacking and slashing you're gonna be disappointed because you're probably going to get killed quite easily but once you kind of learn how this combat system works and how to use it to the the best that it can you know it it makes the game really enjoyable yeah absolutely i 100 percent agree there um steven what do you what do you think yeah so the the combat and i you kind of got the sense of this from the from the previews and, of course, getting into the demo and finally getting your hands on it. They took that Final Fantasy 15 active battle uh, 
that we're used to in that, which I've really enjoyed from that game. And they kind of manipulated it into being this, um, this turn-based battle. So they, so you get that active battle sense, like, like Luke was saying, but then also the turn base is mixed in there because as you're choosing, uh, what one character is doing, it'll slow down time for you. And then you can skip over to the next character and you can choose their ability. And while one and two are doing their stuff, the third one, you're choosing what they're doing and they can execute their command then as well. So like you get this really nice, uh, turn-based style mixed into this active, active battle. And it just makes it like, makes a lot some of the battles really intense um i also played on normal difficulty the whole way through and ran into two bosses who gave me some gave me some guff but like luke most of my problem encounters were just regular you know trash mobs that you would run into during the uh within the progression of the story or running through a zone or something like that so you really had to take care with not just bosses but also just your standard um, standard street fights, basically, where or random encounters, whatever you want to call them, to be strategic in those as well and how you're selecting. Because, you know, again, like Luke said, you can't go running in hack and slash or else you're going to have a really bad time. And there's definitely battles in there that will that will check you at the door. Uh, they'll check that hack and slash at the door for you so then you're not, you know, plowing through the game in that, that sort of sense. Um, but yeah, they, they, the combat was beautiful, and, and in my opinion, like one of the best Final Fantasy combat experiences that we've seen so far. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to getting, um, and I, I think that's probably why I spend so much time in that combat simulator is because uh, the combat in this game is just a real, it's just really a lot of fun to do. And each time you go into it, uh, into a, a, a battle. Um, you find a new way to tweak your strategy and get a little bit faster doing it. And in the combat simulator, they time you. So like my, my whole purpose of being there is trying to maximize or rather minimize the amount of time that I'm in that combat by being more strategic and better executing my abilities. Um, you know, finding different ways to increase my ATB faster. Um, uh, on the AI note, you know, the characters that you're not using at that time, their AI is not really that great um and it's purposeful there's a reason for it so that you go and you're using those other characters um you know uh, throughout the combat experience and a lot of times i wouldn't make it you know it, cloud was my my party leader so i'd go into combat with cloud first all the time and usually especially in trash fights you can just kind of hack slash your way through that and not have to worry about too much um and that's that was my majority of my my combat was was that but getting into those more strategic battles uh god help the enemy who made me have to switch to tifa or tifa um because she was an absolute wrecking ball and it was mm -hmm. amazing always playing as, as tifa in that yeah uh, as for my character progression um i spent a lot of time in materia and weapon skills uh so leveling up and mastering materia um I'm still only two away from getting the master materia um, uh, for the for the magic ones. I think it's 12 materia in total, and I'm I'm at 10 with the last two um, uh, currently going through the AP gain right now. And um, and then weapon skills. Each weapon has a skill attributed to it. Uh, so as you use that skill in battle, it gets put into your pool of abilities that you're able to to use throughout the game. Um, so I would. I've made it a point to, to use every single weapon that comes in for each, each character and kind of develop, 
have those skill sets behind me so I can use those different skills in different strategic situations depending on what's going on with it. Um, and Adam, I, I know for a fact because we already talked about it, but you're going to get into it a little bit more, the, um, the weapon upgrading. Uh, mine was all auto. I really didn't mess with that too much, but it is there. And that's why I'm going to love that Adam's going to be talking about this because <laughs> the, uh, this whole thing that's been introduced with these weapons and, and, uh, kind of, uh, um, you'll do better, but it's there. I didn't do much of it. I kind of just skipped, skipped over and focused more on, uh, that materia and weapon skill, uh, uh, building, and then just kind of leveling up, uh, as I, as I went through the story. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to, uh, touch base on what you were saying about the weapons yet. Yeah, so f for instance, like in the original final fantasy seven, the entire time that you, you spend in Midgar, most of your characters are maybe going to have, uh, two different weapons to choose from during that time. So, uh, thankfully Square Enix decided, uh, they were going to give each character six weapons to choose from. So there was plenty of options. Um, Steven, as you mentioned, each weapon has its own like stats and everything. And, uh, abilities associated with it that, that you can learn. Once you learn it, you keep it forever, regardless of which weapon you, you switch to. Um, and with with Final Fantasies, you always have your experience gains that get you your level ups. And, um, you know, Final Fantasy VII has the, the materia system, which is how you sort of equip your magic. And um, they decided to throw in an extra layer of, of menuing into the game, which I absolutely loved because when it comes to final fantasies, I love menuing. Um, in, in seven, I was always, you know, rotating materia in and out. And, uh, you know, I didn't really play much at eight, but I know like the draw system, you could equip magic to your different stats to increase those as you saw fit. Um, in nine, you had the, uh, was it like the, the accessories or, or weapons or things that you get uh, ability points that eventually let you learn, uh, I believe, both active and passive abilities. Um, so it was kind of fun doing that and equipping those. And then 10 brought probably the best menuing experience of all with the sphere grid, which is just absolutely incredible. I love the sphere grid so much. And... Um, they kind of applied a little bit of that to Final Fantasy VII Remake. So each weapon has the ability to be upgraded. Uh, every time you level up, you get skill points. Um, the The max level in the game is 50. So you can only continue to get those as you level up and then you hit a cap. And the only way to continue getting SP afterwards is by collecting um, uh, key items that give you a bonus of, of 10 SP every time you get that. So there is a way to go beyond the leveling cap by getting these, uh, I believe they were called scriptures or, or something like that, but I think manuscripts, manuscripts, manuscripts. that's it. Yeah. That's the word. Um, so, so you can kind of go above and beyond. So, uh, like Steven, like you were saying, where you kind of just auto selected the abilities for each weapon. I went in and I, I kind of, I would sort of meticulously look through, cause you would hit certain, certain weapon levels after you got so much SP that would unlock basically these nodes that you could choose from. And each node had a certain number of perks that you could get, uh, attack up, magic attack up, HP bonuses, MP bonuses, um, you know, defense, uh, upgrades, new materia slots, all sorts of things that you can choose from, uh, elemental boosts, 
Uh, like the, the list goes on. There's just so many to choose from. So each node has its own things you can choose and each node requires a certain amount of skill points to, to choose from. So I would go in and I would kind of kind of really eye up at like, okay, what, what abilities can I buy now with the, the SP? What do I need to save up for? Because I'm, you know, maybe I'm uh, focusing on a certain stat with, with this weapon that I'm currently using. So there was a, a lot of just kind of uh, kind of an extra level of strategy that the game gives you through this upgrade process with the weapon. So it was really great that they added that in. It was brand new to this game, and it and it was just a really nice way to kind of combine, you know, traditional leveling up with, uh, you know, something like a sphere grid, just to add that extra uh, layer there. So, um, so I really enjoyed the, the the progression that you get as you level up. Now it did seem like you were kind of uh, maybe level capped in in different areas, uh, which was kind of a bummer. You would kind of uh, you know only only get so many levels, and and there weren't really random encounters to where you could just grind away and level up. And and even if you did, again, there's a there's a cap. So. Um, but it, but that was fine. Like the the combat was was fun. It was great, as Luke was saying, um, and Steven too. Like th- this really is a uh, really a bright spot for Final Fantasy VII remake. Like the the combat was just phenomenal. It was so smooth. Uh, the animations were great. Uh, the the kind of strategy that you had to use for it, like whether you were going to attack using ability like how you're gaining atb how you were going to use the atb um you know you you had blocks you had dodges everyone has uh unique abilities and and that was a great thing too like everyone just felt so unique in their fighting style and their abilities uh that everyone stood out in their own way and it made them really fun to play as each character um and to kind of go along with that, like the game was, uh, like Luke said, it, it wasn't overly challenging, but there were times where it, it definitely made you think and you kind of, you kind of learn from, from the, the bad experiences. Um, and with the difficulty, there's normal, easy and classic. And on easy, you could pretty much, if you wanted to just kind of, uh, you know, mash the attack button the whole way through, but you know, you're, you're definitely losing some of the experience if you do that. Because um, it really is meant to be played by switching between characters and using every tool that you have available. Uh, hard mode is takes it a step further and they take away the ability to use items. And uh, when you rest at rest spots, uh, you, you, don't, you only recover HP. You don't recover any MP, which... Um, definitely makes things hard because you're basically only getting MP back either by using certain skills or uh, breaking boxes, which occasionally have little MP boosts on them. Uh, And then whenever you switch chapters, you get a full, you get a full refill and that's about it. So hard mode is definitely challenging in the fact that it adds that as well as uh, obviously making enemies stronger, giving them more health and giving bosses, uh, new attacks that, that you didn't experience in the, uh, the normal playthrough. So, I mean, overall it was, it was just really great. It was well-balanced. It was, uh, you know, great menuing opportunities and just again, kind of 
beautiful overall and and again like you know fighting a lot of the classic enemies that there were i i don't think there were any new enemies i think they all were uh you know newly rendered uh enemies from the original game so again staying close to that source material uh yeah and they did just a great job with that so was it uh hell house that was that was implemented (laughs) differently correct yeah so hell house was uh, just kind of a random enemy you would run into. It wasn't a boss fight. <laughs> and uh, there's actually quite a few enemies in the game that they did that with, where they weren't uh, they weren't originally bosses, but they turned them into them. Hmm. Um, and yet, like like you said, Luke, I, I think uh, in my entire playthrough on normal, I only died once to one of the bosses, but I did die several times to just, you know, uh, the general encounters that just kind of maybe mm-hmm. threw me off guard based on the enemy composition and and my current loadout that that really made me go back and think like okay like now i know what i need to do differently and just kind of proceed from there so um yeah sometimes those those regular encounters were just uh, at times more frustrating than bosses which which was very interesting um so any other thoughts on on combat and that stuff I don't think so. Not for me. Yeah, no, I think I'm good. So uh, next I want to cover uh, exploration and and side quests. And uh, so so let's start uh, with you again on on this one, Luke. So going before Final Fantasy, like, 7, when it was first announced uh, as a remake and everything, not knowing anything really about the original... I, the only knowledge I really had to go off of was Final Fantasy XV. Um, and so I kind of was, with this being a big, full remake, I expected Final Fantasy VII to be this, like, huge, big area that I would be able to, like, run around Midgar in, in its entirety. And then when I started playing, I realized that, first of all, Midgar is huge. Not only is it this big city, uh, there's also like a city underneath it right so quickly i learned that midgar is way way too big and that's not how this game is set up and uh so once i came to that realization i i was actually kind of glad in a certain sense um you know i'm a big fan of open world games they're probably one of my favorite genre of video games but in a certain sense, making a game too big, too many areas to explore can sometimes be overwhelming. I mean, I'm playing Final Fantasy, or not Final Fantasy, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey right now, and that game is freaking huge. Like, Massive, I, yeah. it's insane. Like, I actually mm. can't believe how big that game is. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, there there's uh, some truth to saying too big of a map can be too much, right? And so... Knowing that it was a little bit more linear actually made me a little bit more relieved because um, then I could take my time in each kind of area. So, yeah, I mean, the progression of having some areas where you would be able to kind of explore, like especially when you would go into different sectors, being able to explore those areas was really cool. You know, finding... Uh, little nooks and crannies in every single spot, especially once you get to Wall Market, um, and seeing seeing all the little hidden alleyways and things that you can crouch under to get to the little 
edges of that exploration area was really, really neat. And yeah, I, I, it was, it was really crazy because you would look on when you ever, I pulled up my map to go to a certain quest or waypoint I had set, it looked like, oh, that's pretty far away, but it was, it wasn't too big. All the areas weren't overly large. And I don't think that was a bad thing. I think that was quite good because then it could really allow me to pay attention to the those areas and the work that went into designing them and all the little extra details that you can see sticking out of you know the npcs having their own conversations as you run past them and hearing little bits of dialogue and seeing you know kids playing on playgrounds and cats running around was really really cool it didn't it all felt very alive and you know nothing felt like a copy paste this you know uh, asset, you know, 10 times so that you have some people walking around. It never felt like that. Everything felt real and, and, and living, which was really, really cool. So yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I did find that there was a little bit of inconsistencies when it came to certain areas. Uh, some areas, a lot of detail went into, and then others felt a little more flat and a little more basic. Uh, you know, more so those levels that just based on, again, I don't want to go into spoilers or anything, but based where you are in the game or where wherever you're exploring, you know, obviously you're not going to have as many things to look at, but there were certain moments, specifically near the end of the game, that I just were was amazed by uh, the attention of detail that they put into it. And yeah, I can't wait till we, till we get to talking about that in the spoiler part of the podcast, but yeah, overall, uh, exploration was uh, really solid. Um, sorry, do you want me to go into side quests as well? Uh, sure, yeah. Sure, yeah. So uh, in in that exploration, you know, we came across side quests um, in some of those chapters. Some chapters were very linear of just kind of getting through a dungeon, um, and whereas others gave you that free time to kind of explore and talk to people and whatnot. And so I thought the side quests were pretty average um, in terms of what you were doing with them. Some of them were like the typical, I need you to go clear out these monsters in this area. And so you went out and did that. And it, it just didn't really feel like it there, It was worth the time to put in to do that personally. Um, you know, I completed all the side quests up until chapter 14 where which has the biggest side quest section in the entire game. There's a lot a lot of side quests to complete in that chapter as opposed to previous chapters. And just for the sake of time of like, I need to complete this game, I kind of skipped over those. Uh, but I do want to at some point go back and, and you know, complete those side quests. But yeah, I just, I just felt like they were all very samey and didn't really move the needle too much in terms of excitement when I was doing these side quests. I was really hoping for more of uh, a variety in terms of the, you know, what's at stake with these side quests, right? You have this big story that's going on, the, uh, what's happening around you, there's there's a lot, right? Um, with Cloud's story, with what's going on in Midgar and the overall world there's a lot there so when you know i'm doing these little things when that stuff was going on in the background it just seems like kind of 
kind of it didn't make sense to me in in its positioning but i mean you know you do need to find some downtime to pull pull yourself away from the main story to kind of see what else is going on in this world and yeah i um yeah i just wanted you know simple fetch side quests great and then maybe a more a medium in size of side quests and then maybe bigger ones that are almost considered like a regular quest a mainline quest but just connect to the overall plot and the story more because there was a little bit of that that connected in with you know what was going on in that chapter but I just felt like that some of them didn't really matter so why put them in there but that's just my take and uh, when we kind of talk about more of the things we didn't like I can expand a little bit more on on that but that that's gonna be uh, probably the the biggest criticism I have around the game okay yeah 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 I totally get that the uh, the side quests weren't really the uh, the, the bright spot of the game necessarily mm-hmm. but they were a good means to uh, give you more combat which again we talked yes. about is is kind of like the the bright spot of the game so they kind of took you know something sort of meh <laughs> as a vehicle to get you to uh, you know parts of the game that you really cared about which is fighting things and leveling up and um, you know that sort of thing so it, it it's kind of like a uh, t- you know two sides of the coin sort mm-hmm. of thing you gotta take the the good with the bad a little bit but yeah, yeah. i agree they could have fleshed it out a little bit more mm-hmm. um i i think like you said kind of having those small medium and, and larger quests would have been a really good way to uh create create a balance because uh it, they they balanced so many things in this game and they did it so perfectly and and side quests were just one of those things that sort of got left uh on the wayside mm-hmm. I will say um, some of some of the side quests were tied into little mini games like uh, uh, like the the squats and and pull up challenges yes. that you can do, which <laughs> which it, it, in my opinion were um, they they were on the difficult side, but they were entertaining. Uh, the the music that plays when you're doing these challenges are fantastic too. Yeah. Like uh, you know you get you get the little uh, button prompts on the screen when you're doing the squats. It just kind of goes in a in a set rotation, and it gives you the prompts on the screen. They and they gradually fade away, and then you basically have to know where you're at in the rotation based off of Cloud's movement or um, just kind of getting into the rhythm of things. Um, and you know the, the the first one is, I think it's the. Uh, maybe like amateur or no, it's the, the trainee level. Yeah, it's and, like yeah, trainee or rookie then amateur and then pro or something like that. It's trainee then amateur then pro. Yeah. So each one had had three three levels to it, and the uh, the, the first guy that you have to play against, he's he's kind of a pushover, and then after that, uh, you know, I I got my butt kicked in, in squats on the the second dude, and I'm just like, you know what? I'll come back to this later, and deal with it another time. And it turns out there there are trophies assigned to to those. But um, after I beat the game and I started going back to and um, doing some cleanup, I did the pull up one, which is it even harder than the squats. Um, and I mean, it, it can be even a challenge just getting past a trainee level mm-hmm. in in that one because the the on screen prompts fade away much faster, and the rotation isn't set like it is in the squat. So you 
get different patterns each time you go into it. Well, I I decided while I was in that chapter doing cleanup, I'm like, I'm going to give this a try. I'll give it a little bit of time. If I get frustrated, I'll just leave it alone and maybe never, maybe never get that trophy if it's too frustrating. Well, <laughs> I, I actually did. I did so much better that second time around. Uh, it took me two, I think pretty much two tries per level. And on the, the final level, uh, the pro, I barely got the victory on that, but I was so excited. I, uh, cause it, it was a trophy. I thought I was never going to get, I'm like, this is literally what's going to keep me from getting the platinum. Um, but I mean, I sent Steven a text. I'm like, Oh my God, I did it. I, uh, I got the, the pull up trophy. So now I need to, uh, I still need to go back and get my revenge on the squats and earn that trophy. But I think after doing the, the pull-ups, I think I can totally pull off the squats now. But um, Yeah, it's so funny because, like, obviously they're in the order of squats first and then pull-ups. But the, the fact that you got the pull-ups, because I couldn't get the pull-ups. <laughs> like, I gave up. But the squats I found... I like not too too challenging, so I I ended up getting that one, but not the other. Yeah, and yeah, same uh, thing. I ended up getting the squat challenge pretty yeah. easily, but then the the pull ups, like I just I gave up. That was, <laughs> that was it. No more. <laughs> I didn't I didn't devote nearly enough time to the to, to the squats as I could have. I was kind of at the point where it's like, okay, I just want to I just want to do the next thing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of gave up on that a little bit sooner than than what maybe I should have, but because um, it. it later on in the game uh you know their chapter 14 has quite a few side quests in it and i got to a point where it's like okay i just need to beat this or i'm gonna run out of time this weekend i didn't want to run into any spoilers and sometimes during the week it can be really hard to sit down and get some real game time in so i'm like i'm beating this by the end of my long weekend so i i ended up skipping a couple of them uh in chapter 14 just so i could get through and beat the game as fast as possible and Eventually, uh, I did go back and, and and got the other ones that I was missing. So, um, I also to uh, you know, touch base on on ex- exploration a, a bit is uh, it, it kind of like uh, what you were saying, Luke. Like, there's you know some areas give you a little bit more than than others, um, and I, I think it was it was okay. Like, it, it was definitely sort of a linear experience, but um, you know, for those that maybe aren't a huge fan of that, like the original sequence in Midgar uh, and the original Final Fantasy VII was pretty linear as well. Um, so this, again, kind of stayed true to that. But uh, they did take some areas in the game that were maybe just a screen or two too big, and they turned them into like full-size dungeons. And that was really cool. Um, so again, it's just kind of that that total like expansion of of the original game and just kind of really fleshing things out. And they added you know, a couple, couple new things to, um, you know, to, to make things interesting and to add a little bit more to the game. So, um, exploration was really great. My favorite part uh, I'd have to say is you spend a lot of, a lot of your time in the slums and, in remake. And I mean, in the original too, you don't really spend a lot of time up on the plate of Midgar and, uh, it, it's easy to forget when you're, when you're down there that, you're under uh, a massive city. And uh, one of my favorite parts is when you, when you go into wall market and there's a uh, very uh, prolific mansion as, as part of it. And the camera kind of pans up on the mansion and you see the plate above it and you see all the, 
the concrete and and the uh, sort of electronic kind of I don't know how you would really describe that like a like a techno kind of machinery yeah the techno machinery uh, yeah you know yeah yeah so you you see that and like you you kind of forget that you're down there and then like you know you could be just walking around and you just kind of pan you know you might just be looking around at your surroundings but then all of a sudden you see the edge of the plate and you 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 know see a little bit of a little bit of sunlight outside there but you know maybe it's kind of hard to tell um you know when when you're that far you know under the main city and that was something that was really interesting because the the first game you're pretty much you know top down perspective the whole time in in midgar so you don't really see it and you kind of get the sense that it's just always dark down there but then you pull the camera up a little bit and you look out at the horizon and you do see that daylight and uh it was just really neat anytime you look up and you see the plate overhead it's just like oh my god like the the scale is just immense and um it, it was just so uh kind of again all all inspiring like being a, a fan of the the original game and seeing how these things come to life and and kind of put uh a little bit of everything in in the perspective so i thought that was really cool and you do get to spend some time up on the plate too which you didn't really get to do in the first or in the original game so i i thought it was really neat that they gave you some time up on the plate and you really kind of see the contrast of the upper city and and the lower city and uh, i thought that was really cool um so with all that said uh steven did you have anything to you wanted to talk about with all that yeah so with the exploration um you know it it all of it was it was almost this come to Midgar to fall in love with it all over again, because it was a, um, it is linear. And you know, the, the one thing that I was thinking about, and I didn't mention it on our first recording is Final Fantasy 13 in its start is a very linear game. And it pissed me off. Like I hated mm-hmm. yeah, Final Fantasy 13. It was in my opinion, whenever I was going through it and, uh, this was, uh, and Final Fantasy VIII's not one of my favorites. And it used to be my all time non favorite Final Fantasy game, but Final Fantasy 13 has taken it from me. Uh, and, and they, they had a very linear beginning to the game and going into this one, like it was a completely different experience. I feel because like one, I think the combat was a big change also mm-hmm. from that one. Uh, but the, you're in a linear game, but you don't have the feeling that you're stuck on the path. There are those yeah. little places that you can kind of break away. And then on top of that, with a lot of the side quests, they would get you into these new areas uh, that weren't in the original game. And they would get you into these new places that you can kind of explore a little bit more of, of the slums and kind of get a get a sense on just how tragic of a place it is underneath the, underneath uh, Midgard proper, underneath those plates. So, like... Um, getting into the getting into those extra little zones that are to kind of poke around and see what more there is that lies underneath the underneath the plates was 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 pretty awesome um but yeah you never kind of get that sense that you're kind of you're wedged while you still are and it's it's all because of that scenery around you and getting those side quests to take you off and, and branch out into different areas and things like that and um, making certain areas larger so that you have more substance to them compared to the original game uh, so it was really great. And side quest wise, um, I'm kind of with you guys. I wish that was a little bit more fleshed out and we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, one of my favorites was, uh, and I mentioned it earlier, was Chadley, uh, the Shinra kid, uh, as I called him the entire way through. Um, 
the Shinra kid, I, I think his que- his side quest stuff where you're basically uh, performing certain feats in combat to gain new materia from him that he researches, and then on top of that, unlocking new summon materia through his VR uh, combat simulator. So, like, going through and working with him to come up with those new materials, and then also going into the combat simulator and, and picking up new summons off from them and stuff like that. That was like a, a really big highlight piece to the side quest where everything else was kind of that go to this place, slay this creature, come back to me when you're done. Um, or go and collect this item, come back to me when you're done. It was a, there were some of those, uh, the fetch quests, a uh, couple, couple kill the rats quests, you know. So like a lot of, a lot of little, little, dinky things that they had you doing. And I definitely agree that there, there could have been a little bit more to it. But um, I was one that uh, through my playthrough, I did complete every side quest, um, other than the ones that you have to complete multiple times to get certain things through multiple playthroughs. Uh, but through the first playthrough, I did get, get the check mark on all the, all the side quests and. Um, some of them were more fulfilling than others, and others just kind of felt like a. Um, other some were really really fun, and were very enjoyable to get involved with. Uh, while you know, um, probably a vast majority of them are more of like a uh, just kind of a filler. It almost feels like it was the last piece that they put in at the end, and they just kind of slapped it and you know packaged and sent it out the door without taking a whole lot of time to kind of develop it. Um, because whenever it comes to my expectations of the game, whenever they had announced this side quest feature to it, I was like, ooh, you know, hunt board. Oh, sweet. Uh, you know, uh, getting more gear and, and seeing more more of the city. And some of that stuff was in there, but then it kind of just kind of fell short on, on um, producing more for us whenever it comes to it. Um, but you mentioned, Luke, the, the big open world aspect thing. And... and um, I get Skyrim, I call it now, because Skyrim, I played it, and I never completed the main story quest, and I put the controller down, never beating the game. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins is the same way. Like, I I got totally deviated from the main path, never could find my way back to it, and just ended up putting the game down. So I, I'm kind of glad that, um, in that sense the side quest list was truncated a bit, so I didn't get kind of caught up in that whole side quest game and still was able to progress the way that I wanted to. Um, but I think that the quality of the side quest could be tweaked a little bit to make them just a little bit a little bit better uh, going through it. But yeah, definitely a, a lot of fun uh, of for the world itself, getting around there, taking a look at things and seeing new areas, seeing uh, expanded areas, things like that. Um, it was absolutely fantastic getting through that exploration part for sure. Yep. And, and one thing to add to the side quest thing. So at the very least when they say, okay, go kill this thing. Right. Um, at, at least they made those enemies challenge. Like they were beefed up versions. Like it wasn't just your, your classic sewer rats. Like these were beefy, these were beefy rats that were going to, uh, take you to the ground and, and uh, bite your neck and stuff. And then you had the hellhound that was just like, this was like muscle hamster thing, right? Like <laughs> this thing was yep. just bulging with yeah. muscles. It was ridiculous, but yeah, they See, made ch- that. I was going to say in chapter 14, fight. in chapter 14, there's some really great side quest fights too. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, you know, not to get into spoiler territory just yet. We're going to get to that, but the chapter 14 side quest, the,
um, that I'm not, but the, there's a, a whole other extra area that you kind of get into in the game and you get to go back down a second time into it and fight a whole new boss. Like that, that side quest was a really, really good one. Definitely an exceptional, exceptional part to the side quest list for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There were definitely some, some good ones in there that had a little bit more care than others, but um, at least overall you could uh, at least expect a uh, challenging fight out of it in most cases. All right. Uh, so moving on then. Um, so yeah, there's a ton of, ton of gameplay to talk about and uh, such good gameplay it was, but you know, another fascinating part about this game is the, uh, the, the visuals and the sound that that take place as well i mean uh starting with the uh soundtrack and the voice acting um there's definitely a lot of great things to talk about there uh luke let's uh let's have you talk about that yeah so like a lot of people who played this game the soundtrack really stood out to me i mean from the very first i i ended up not playing the demo and i went into this game like fresh and so that title card sequence you know, right at the start when you're looking over Midgar and it says Final Fantasy VII Remake and the music's going, uh, just got, like, it, it literally gave me goosebumps. Like, I was uh, blown away by how much uh, effort went into composing this music and stuff like that. And, you know, just like I talked about the story and the gameplay and everything, I, I don't have the original to compare it to, so I, I couldn't necessarily, a lot of these songs... You know, I can't compare of like what the the original version of that song sound like to this new remix of it or whatever. But uh, yeah, I really really liked all the songs that were in there. Um, yeah, there's something about Final Fantasy music in general that kind of has this like familiar familiarity about it because it was so funny because I played the Final Fantasy VII theme song. Uh, I was watching some sort of video and it was playing and Megan turned to me she's like what song is that I know this song I'm like trust me you don't know this song like (laughs) if if I don't know Final Fantasy you don't know Final Fantasy for sure and (laughs) I I you know I I doubt you've heard this but um you know it sound it sounds like like something it's just it's just like uh uh really well done um the my one of my things that I was hoping to do in my first playthrough is obtaining all the songs that you can obtain through the vending machines and through going to uh, different merchants and stuff like that. And I think, like, is it? Do you guys know? Is it possible to get those all through a, a playthrough, or are those some of them tracks obtainable like only through hard mode or anything like that? The music tracks, I believe, are all obtainable in, mm. in normal. Yeah, so I I don't know the exact amount uh, of tracks, but I do know just based on kind of how many I obtained that I had to have been really close to getting them all. And yeah, the, I, I just, you know, some of them uh, really stood out to me and yeah, overall really, really liked it. And uh, what about you, Stephen? Yeah, so the original, the, the, the orchestrated score was uh, one of my highlights to this game. And, and I, you know me as a Distant Worlds fan. Um, I have been for some time. I own every every uh, CD that's been out for Distant Worlds. Probably listen to a, Distant Worlds more than anyone else on the planet. <laughs> yeah, probably. I even have a DVD, uh, a DVD video um, 
of a, one of their live concerts and it's always been a dream for me to go and visit one of these things and that's what you get with this is you get a you just get a distant world's quality soundtrack on it um so your your music that you're getting if you're listening to it on a on a real stereo or at least a really good uh pair of headphones or a headset or something you are going to get um a great experience out of the soundtrack with this and the really cool thing about it is like it takes um um let's say the battle theme uh, for for bosses, so your boss music. And each boss will take the same that same boss track that we had from the original Final Fantasy and kind of manipulate it into something new for that for that particular one. And each each battle that you got into um, uh, with a different boss would have that different different thing, but with the foundation of the original boss music, which was really, really awesome. Uh, and then you have everything from you know hanging out in the flower garden with Aerith, uh, all the way up to uh, you know uh, battling at the end of the game. All of that music it, it fits for the moment, uh, so it's it's really well placed in the game whenever it comes to the um, uh, to your cutscenes or walking around through uh, particular areas. Uh, listen to the music for that that background music for those areas, um, and and it just it kind of fills in that it, it fills in that emotional tie uh that you need for particular moments as well where it can really uh a, you know particular uh cutscenes happen and it and the music just hits the right way from the original soundtrack it grabs the nostalgia in you and you're just you're you get immersed and it's just this amazing it, it fills in that amazing emotional um uh experience that you get whenever you're um whenever you're playing the game. So it was, uh, I, I was fully impressed that I will own, I will own the CD of this soundtrack as well. Yeah. The music's incredible. Like the, you were saying about like the remixes, like the, the boss fight music, like it's just the, the little tweaks that they make to kind of, uh, reimagine that track with, with every boss that you fight in the game is just, uh, really amazing. And really all the, all the music that they, all the classic music that they redid, it was pretty much just like chills every time I, w I would hear it pop up for the first time. And and it, it, it's something that was just done so well, because like you said, it, it fits the music always fits the scene so well and and setting the tone for it. And, you know, you can't really ask for better than that. And I mean, again, kind of going back like the, the source material of the original game like that, that soundtrack of the original Final Fantasy seven was uh, was just so good and it gave them uh, you know quality music to to start with right from the get-go um, they did add some original tracks in there but I mean the the best ones in my opinion were the ones that they remastered for the game um, I think there were there were three tracks that I think really just like you know kind of blew me away uh, one of them I can't talk about yet um, the other one is when when you meet up with Aerith and uh you know you you uh kind of save her from the situation that she's in and you know you guys start kind of continuing your your journey a little bit uh you kind of come out, out of the, the church that you meet her in and then the music kicks up for the sector five slums which is a remastered version of the slum music in the original game and it's just so bassy and it's it's catchy it's got a great beat to it and and when i heard that it was like it was just wave of nostalgia and i was just like ooh, <laughs> it, it was just it, the right music at the right time 
and it was such a, it was a great track. Um, the other one that I really resonated with, and I don't want to talk too much because I don't want to talk about really this part of the game yet, but there was a, in chapter nine, there was a remix of Tifa's theme that was just kind of astounding. Like I, I didn't expect it at all. And I thought it was so good. Like it was Tifa's theme, but kind of like a house remix. Mm. Um, and and it was one of my favorite tracks in the game. We can talk about it a little bit more later because I don't want to talk about like what happened in that section. I hope you guys know which one I'm talking about. Um, but it was incredible. <laughs> um, so the other thing that kind of goes along with the the sound of the game is the uh, the voice acting, and uh, I think the the casting was was just really great overall. Um, I think Tifa and Cloud were were some of the best casted uh, actors for their characters. Um, I really like. I, I I think Cloud was just perfect. I, he might have been the most perfect uh, casting in the game. And uh, there's one character specifically I know I think we'll, we'll all three probably touch on, and that's uh, a side character, which is Wedge. And, um, you know, we kind of all have, have our thoughts on him. But I, I actually know him from the show Mom, where he played a character named Baxter. And he was a kind of a deadbeat dad, uh, stoner, just always kind of uh, kind of messing things up, just kind of a fumbly-bumbly dude. And... I don't know if it's a typecast thing or what, because, you know, Wedge kind of, he was that fumbly, bumbly kind of kind of <laughs> guy too. But uh, he had one of my favorite lines in the game, which comes up in, in chapter four, where uh, it, it's really kind of a, a team building chapter for, for Cloud and the uh, kind of side characters of the Avalanche group. And uh, they're kind of, uh, one of the characters, Jesse, leaves leaves the group for a little bit, and you're there with Biggs and Wedge, and they're just kind of talking a little bit about Jesse's past and the the kind of things that she she went through to come to Avalanche, and apparently is a story that she probably wouldn't want Cloud to know. So Biggs is just like, "Hey, like, don't let Jesse know that we told you this," and Cloud's like, "No promises, man." And uh, Wedge, he's just you know, in his goofy manner, he's like, "Seriously, she'll beat the shit out of us." And uh, I just thought that that was one of like just a really humorous line at kind of like a, you know, kind of it was sort of like a serious moment, but it was kind of like that that mood breaker sort of line. And uh, I thought it was perfect. and I really enjoyed that. But um, yeah, overall, I think it was great. The only character I didn't really feel like maybe was the best uh, casting choice was Aerith. Um, I, I think. I think that I think the acting was fine. I think it was maybe the the dialogue that they gave Aerith and and sort of the personality. Um, she she didn't really kind of come off the way I I remembered her in the original game. Um, she was just kind of a, a little too over the top, um, bubbly, perky, uh, quirky um, sort of demeanor to her. It wasn't quite the um, sort of a little bit more mature vibe that they gave off in the original game. And um, so that was really the only one that maybe I didn't feel like, again, maybe not so much the acting, maybe it's the dialogue, but it was the one that kind of just didn't sit as well with me from the others. Um, so, uh, so in, in regards to voice acting, Steve, what did you, what did you think about the casting? So with, with 
I'm going to go straight to Aerith because you just ended ended with her. But I thought that she was incredible. And I don't want to get too much into it because where where my points come in is definitely spoiler talk. And But you can tell I'm with you where her she's, she's very witty. She's bubbly, uh, uh, especially in the more lighthearted moments or whenever things aren't as serious as what they are. But, man, she could flip a switch and go to that um, – go to that you can just see it in her eyes her eyes are burning and she's saying certain things and you know just to kind of pay attention to her at that moment and that was one of the coolest things about her character and how how it kind of went from this you know bubbly perky witty fun uh light-hearted person but in those moments where it warranted she just kind of flipped around and was like don't mess with her or listen to what this this woman is saying. You know, it's uh, uh, and it was really well portrayed in that. And then uh, you mentioned Wedge. Wedge was one of my favorite characters and his dialogue. Like I, I don't have as good of a memory as what you do, but I know that he had a lot of one liners in there that just kind of like whenever he said them, it just made you laugh at him because like he just it, the delivery was fantastic on the way that he did it and like the character himself and the way it was portrayed, like he was just, it, it was a fantastic fun act. Like uh, I say addition when really he's been there forever, but uh, how about uh, one of the better and more fun expansions of characters that we saw uh, here in the remake compared to the original. Um, uh, the, the, one of my favorites um, and, and uh, final fantasy veteran, uh, John DiMaggio uh, makes an appearance uh, in oh, this yeah, as right. Heidegger in uh in shinra's um uh board uh so that was that was really cool to find out and kind of kind of hear him put his voice to another final fantasy character again um you know went to the went to the dark side on this one but uh you know the we can't have the the happy-go-lucky waka voice happening all the time you know (laughs) that's too bad i'll take waka any day (laughs) yeah put him in any game waka can go anywhere it's fine i'm good yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah, I think uh, those are the ones that kind of stood out to me through through the voice acting. Voice acting is not really like my, uh, it's not something I, I put a whole lot of thought into whenever playing a game or something like that. But I, I feel that every character um, and every voice actor that was that was doing their job with them, like they portrayed their characters well. Um, and I think each one kind of added a flavor to the, to the characters that... Um, in the original, we didn't get because there was no voice acting, and I think that they were each each one of them a perfect fit uh, to the character and what you could imagine them being from the original game. Minus Aerith for you, Adam, but I think that everybody kind of kind of hit hit the nail on the head whenever it came to their their dialogue. Nice. How about you, Luke? What'd you think? Yeah. So pretty much just to echo everything you guys have already said, I felt that. All the main characters were casted perfectly. I mean, Cloud sounded how I kind of expected him to sound, you know, just looking at his character model and everything like that. And and Barrett, uh, too, this very, you look at that guy and you know he's going to have a very loud, yelly voice and everything like (laughs) that. Um, I felt that they could have, there could have been more uh of a range from from him um in terms of a a performance but again like that's how that character is is wrote and you know not so much in i didn't really like i like i I thought everyone's performance was top-notch um what i expect in a triple a video game like this so i have nothing to say bad about the performances i did feel that 
some of the dialogue options um, kind of set up some of the performers for some weird moments and stuff like that. And I don't know if that's just kind of like anime tropes coming through that I just don't, I'm not familiar with. You know, there were certain, certainly times where characters would react in ways that I'm like, I don't, this is why are you reacting that way? Like, that's not how a no uh, quote you know air quote normal person would react to somebody finding out that information or whatever so there was little things like that that I thought uh were a little odd and a little cheesy at times but again it I it was it was more of just how the dialogue was wrote and not how it was delivered or anything like that so um but yeah, and there was a couple times where I felt that there could have used they could have used a little bit more variety in terms of the NPCs uh, talking in the background, because obviously it, it costs a lot of money to get uh, a bunch of voice actors, and with NPCs kind of constantly talking as you're walking around different areas, you know, that that would cost a lot of money to get that many different people. Um, but I just, there were certain moments where I'm like, this character or like even like a character I talked to in a side quest sounds identical to a different character I've already met in this game. So I thought that, uh, you know, if you're going to have a character with on screen talking and everything like that, a part, you know, playing a part in the story, even if it's just a side quest, you know, you need to have those characters still being unique and original and everything like that, just like the main cast is. So you know, there was a little bit of that that came through while I was playing, but yeah, I I was really impressed uh, with everything. Nice. And then, of course, um, you know, going into the visuals, uh, you know, graphics and and cinematics, you know, they they really go uh, hand in hand in this game. It was it was a beautiful game, um, filled with really great uh, as we talked about animations and scenery um, but also some really great set piece moments as well um, Steve why, why don't you kick us off on on this topic what do you, what do you think about um, what are your thoughts on the graphics and cinematics of the game yeah so considering where we're coming from with the original into this like would you know a million times better graphically compared to the original one and and just in a um, as a game itself uh, in this modern era, uh, really solid, uh, whatever it was put together graphically. Um, you know, there's, uh, Luca mentioned back during the combat about how smooth everything, everything is in the combat, combat, uh, um, stuff. And I'm not going to steal any thunder from you because I know you got thoughts on it, but the, uh, the one thing that really impressed me throughout the game is that, uh, unlike a lot of other AAA titles that have come out, uh, so far this year, one that comes to mind is Jedi Fallen Order and just how, uh, rendering, the the scenes um it, it really had a, a tough time doing uh in that game so in this one where like you're kind of playing through it and you run into no hiccups whatsoever whenever it comes to graphics being displayed or textures being rendered uh you know characters being set up in the scene whatever it may be you don't get any skips or jitters or rubber banding or anything like that like it is solid whenever it comes to the way that this thing is running and what it looks like. Uh, and then having it in 4k, um, it was just all the more better. Cause like you're, you're running through it 
and you hit a cutscene, and the cutscene looks just as good as what the game does, and the game looks just as good as what the cutscene is. It's all seamless whenever it comes to these things. So you're watching, you're watching this cutscene break get broken down in front of you, and then you're basically just the camera's just zooming to for you to take control within the situation. So everything around you looks fantastic, and then, you know, yeah, you're stuck underneath a plate for most of the game, uh, being in the slums, but you're whenever you're looking out over the landscapes or you know over to the horizons or down you know top kind of a top down uh on on certain areas like um there's details uh that you didn't see before from the original and they kind of um uh just made the world feel bigger uh than what you were actually playing in so that was really awesome whenever it came to just kind of looking around at the scenery around you as it 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 built you had a lot to look at and it all looked really, really good whenever doing it. And, uh, yeah, so you're, um, th th that's pretty much my thoughts on the graphics is it was beautiful and having it in 4k just made it all the better. Um, and again, just kind of putting, uh, taking away the polygons of the, of the original smoothing everything out and giving us something that is, uh, just beautifully realistic with, uh, uh, with this game. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I agree a hundred percent. And uh, yeah, to, to kind of expand on, like it's, it's so like when you draw those comparisons between the original game and this one, and you know, we kind of talked about it earlier too, where it's like, you know, you had these, these little top down perspectives. A lot of these areas were maybe one or two screens and now it's just this whole, whole new area for you to explore. And the, uh, just, just the care that they put into that. And uh it was was really incredible in recreating this world that you know like you said was so polygonal and and had so many you know would just a, a, any of the backgrounds were basically just pre-rendered backgrounds but now like a lot of that stuff is brought to life um was just so good and there were a few little missteps with with some of it um you know there there were some small things where you know there was a, a door that had zero texture on it and um you know uh, as sections where you kind of look down from where you're at and it just you know it looks like a it looks very flat and it looks very low res um there there were kind of some little spots like that but um not game breaking for sure but definitely noticeable when everything else around looks so good mm -hmm. um but really, uh, again, the cinematics were one of those like bright spots of the game. It, it, the The game is so story heavy um, in the things that they they've added and expanded on that um, a lot of the stuff that you see is, you know, in in cutscenes and uh, you know dialogue scenes and stuff like that, and even in the boss fights, like you know. Uh, bosses, you know, have certain phases that they go into, and so the, the camera's kind of cutting around while uh, it's it's jumping into these new phases, and uh, and it all just works, and everything is very stylized. There's a lot of action in it. There's a lot of, uh, you know, you, you see characters fighting in like a cutscene, in like a cinematic sequence, and it, it like it just looks so good. And then, and then again, like you were saying, Stephen, then it gives you control of your character and it's like, okay, now it's my turn. And, and everything is, is just, yes, it's so seamless 
in the way that you're constantly going from like exploration to combat to a cinematic and it's just so well done like it, there's uh, it, it's a real real uh work of art so um what about you luke what do, what do you think about that yeah the game looks incredible uh in stealing words from garrett in our group chat i think the night that we were all kind of booting it up he like he was like this hdr is popping and <laughs> it, that is very true it, it the darks are dark the colors are vibrant um looks great uh running on a ps4 pro with that 4k resolution and everything like that uh the character models themselves look great i mean like looking at cloud and looking at his skin and seeing the texture on that is incredible and I don't know if I'm being like too critical or not, but I just felt that the attention that went into the character models, there were certain things that, uh, yeah, in, in the environments that didn't have as much attention, like so, uh, you already mentioned, Adam, you know, looking down at certain things, things looking flat and 2D, um, which didn't really match the, the rest of the game or the, the majority of what you saw in the game. And so there was things like that. Aerith's flower garden looked great from from far, but when you got up close and looked at the flowers themselves and looked at the textures on them, it's like, okay, I'm not going to criticize you for not ha this flower not looking crystal clear, but at the same time, it's like, okay, why is this matching the detail that went into other parts of the game, right? So the butterflies that floated around the garden too were, were yeah, pretty rough. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I mean, there's such small things that it's like you're you're not even really going to care about those those things. But, you know, you, you got to criticize them when they're not me meeting that level that the rest of the game has. So, uh, yeah, like the, the the slight texture pops from time to time of the background. And, you know, like you said, the uh, doors, you know, loading those textures after you've already seen them and stuff. Um which I don't really care about too much. I, the biggest thing is, you know, you were talking about the Steven with uh, Jedi Fallen Order, and I had a big issue with this uh, before I got my Xbox One X with <laughs> the, the Outer Worlds of character models having, you know, textures pop of, like, you, the camera would pan to a character talking, and, you know, their eyebrows all of a sudden pop in, or, like, the texture on their skin pops in, and... There was none of that in this game, which is really, really good because, you know, having that happen in a game is really distracting to me, at least. You know, I, I can forgive it when it happens in the background, but when it's happening to a character, I mean, that's where my eyes are going. That's where my attention is towards. And when there's little flickers like that, it, it kind of pulls me away from what's going on in the world and it reminds me that, you know, it is a video game and, you know, there's... It, well, you know, if I, I'm not going to, I don't necessarily get upset over it, but you know, when it happens all the time, it can, it t can totally taint, you know, your experience or whatever. But yeah, I really like the cinematics as well. Like you said, Adam, the transition of going from cutscene to gameplay was really solid. Um, the performance of this game was really good. Uh, when it came to combat, there was one moment where, there i had my summon out and i had you know i was pulling out abilities left and right and the the boss i was fighting was attacking me and there was other smaller enemies on the map and there's all these numbers everywhere and 
I don't even think my my game dropped that many frames or at least if it did like it was not even noticeable which is really really impressive um especially when you have that many systems going on and that much you know code being outputted at once it's like for it to hold up to that level is uh, you know a technical feat for sure and i think like i obviously the game was probably in a good position um around march of this year but i'm sure extra polish went into the little areas uh in during that delay and stuff like that and uh yeah i'm glad that they took the time to get those things right because that is the the main stage of this game is the combat and so for it to not literally me have no experiences with technical glitches or little blips here and there is is incredible so yeah really really impressed with the performance overall in this game uh, from a technical perspective absolutely yeah and we've found a lot to to really like and love about this game and the the story and gameplay and the uh the sounds um but i uh, let's talk a, a little bit about things we maybe didn't like so much about the game um I'll go ahead and get us started off here. I, I have um, just kind of kind of some nitpicks and then, um, you know, maybe one or two things that I found kind of irritating. So, um, you know, nitpicky things were just, you know, kind of like we talked about textures and backgrounds, like, um, you know, not everything was, was super high quality as everything else. In the end, it didn't really matter. That's why I'm saying it's just it's just a little nitpick. Uh, you know, some of these things certainly could be patched to, to look a little bit nicer later down the road. We'll see if they decide to do that or not. Um, my other thing then, too, was, was uh, as I kind of talked about already with Aerith, um, to, to kind of expand on that a little bit more. Both in the original and in Remake, there is a transition between chapters 7 and 8, um, which is where you uh, sort of join join with Aerith officially um right before that cloud has kind of like a, a flashback scene where he's at home talking to his mom and she says uh I'd, I'd wish you'd settle down with with someone uh maybe someone that's older and more mature so uh being that this happens right before Aerith we kind of get the idea that maybe Aerith you know sort of fits that mold for cloud um Whereas in the original, she did kind of have that more sort of mature demeanor to her throughout the game. And and in this one, it's like uh, uh, she was kind of very like she almost seemed very childish. Um, there definitely wasn't a lot of maturity to her. And uh, sure, she kind of flashed that every once in a while, like Stephen was saying. But I think for the most part, like I didn't get that from her at all, um, that she was mature, sort of settling down with material uh, for cloud so i just thought that that was a little off-putting for me and again this is just the first game you know character development is going to happen throughout the series but uh just initially so far in this first game it just didn't really um kind of fit what what i i was thinking from the original um and then uh, I'd say, uh, you know, maybe just one thing that I really didn't care for about the game is, is at the end of the game, um, uh, well, I will say before I get into that, it, towards the end of the game, there is a chapter that takes a bit too long to get through. Uh, it, it was really the only part of the game that I felt maybe overstayed its welcome uh, in, terms, in terms of chapters, and we'll talk about that one a little bit more, but 
Uh, the other thing, too, it happens towards the end of the game, and I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but uh, you get into some fights late in the game where, you know, you're trying to uh, take some take some action, um, you know, but the, the boss the, will just target whoever you're controlling at that point. So there's no aggro system. There's no um, not really any time between switching characters. As soon as you make that switch, they're on you. And, uh, so, so you basically have to switch, uh, queue up an action, switch again. Otherwise you're probably going to get hit and you're probably going to get interrupted from whatever you were trying to do. And so there's just really not enough time to really sit and think about what you're doing or spend enough time with a character to, uh, to do a whole lot with them aside from queue up an action of some sort. So I found that definitely frustrating. Um, again, I, I wasn't dying to these enemies, but um, I, I just found it a little irritating. I, I wanted to spend maybe just a little bit more time with the character I was controlling, but it was it was literally switch action, switch to an action, switch like, and it was just kind of a rotation. And uh, I didn't find that super fun. Um, it, I feel like it kind of took the the turn based sort of semi-classic feeling of the game um, away from me. So uh, that was, uh, those are probably my only real dislikes uh, about it. So um, Steven, what, what did you, did you have anything really that you didn't care for with this? It was a short list. Um, and, and really it's more one thing missing and one thing added for me whenever it comes to dislikes for the game. Um, I mentioned during the side quest segment about maybe wanting a hunt board uh, that wasn't there, so that was kind of a, a letdown whenever it came to them doing that announcement of like the mercenary system and side quests. Like, I thought for sure I was going to go and hunt some monsters. Uh, but I guess you could say that was supplemented a little bit with the, um, the VR uh the VR combat simulator. So that was, uh, but that's one thing I, I would have really liked to see a, um, the ability to go hunt special, special versions of the monsters that we were fighting. Um, the, the other thing was, a was an added character. Um, and I mentioned this during the, during the original, uh, recording and I still haven't like come up with any idea on who this character is, why he's even there. And, and, um, it's it's that Roche character, uh, the the guy from I think it was uh, it chapter five, chapter um, four, chapter four. Whenever you're on mission with with Jesse uh, Biggs and Wedge, um, and uh, this this random motorcycle riding soldier comes up and uh, immediately challenges you to this motorcycle duel, basically. And then um, he disappears after that, and then all of a sudden comes back and, I guess, becomes your friends, apparently, in this whole thing. So, like, it, it was a very random um, very random encounter with Roche, and I don't know how he fits into the whole thing. And maybe we get more of them, maybe we don't. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that were teased at the, at the end that I'm sure we'll get into in the spoiler cast, and I'm kind of hoping maybe uh, he gets kind of tied in somehow with with further story but uh who are you roche what are you doing here and <laughs> what can we expect of you that's those pretty much that wraps up my dislikes for the uh uh for the game so uh, that i can think of or can, can come up with basically <clears throat> okay how about you luke i hated the goddamn robot arms <laughs> <laughs> there's uh <laughs> Yeah, the section in the game where you basically have to control these robot arms 
to lift sea cans uh, for so Aerith can get around um, and drop down ladders for you and everything like that it was just super tedious and I didn't like enjoy it at all really. The first one was fine and then the second one I was losing my patience and by the last one I was like, I'm like if there is another freaking robot arm, I am going to turn off this game and take a break because it's just like <laughs> I hate little stupid things like that that really slow down the momentum you might have. And I think in that particular moment, um, I think I was coming off a heavy, you know, pl play session of uh, I completed a bunch of chapters at, at during that evening and um I wanted to keep the momentum going. I wanted to keep progressing. And uh, because it had slowed me down, I think that's why it had irritated me so much. But uh, so that was the, my biggest dislike uh, of the entire game. Uh, in terms of like dislikes, they're more of irritations to me. I've already mentioned them. And, you know, like the side quest was a, the, uh, I felt could have had a little bit more depth in there, which I've already expanded on. Uh, the pacing in some of the chapters were or just how they pace, how the length of each chapters were uh, kind of irritating to me. You know, you would go through one chapter that would feel like a reasonable length, um, and then there was others that felt very long, and others that's like, oh my gosh, I'm already on to the next chapter. So like, um, you know, I'm okay. They don't need to all be the same length. I think it creates, uh, creating a bit of variety in the length adds adds a, a bit of originality to each chapter but um i yeah there were certain moments where i was just like especially near the end of the game that i felt like they were a little unfair on how long it took to complete certain chapters and stuff now um again we'll get into this in the spoiler discussion but the the last bit of the game you know i i saw a criticism on twitter and stuff of it feeling long and uh, taking taking a while i i kind of liked the last i felt the last chapters were good in length because i kind of like you know build up to this this thing that i've spent literal hours playing you know tens of hours playing to build up to this big final moment the final boss or whatever that takes and um you know there there is some games that that overstays its welcome it's like okay just give me to the goddamn final boss like i'm done with all this build up, but I thought that this game personally, I, I just liked how it was laid out for me. Um, but yeah, the, the overall, I just thought that they could have tweaked that a little bit more. Um, and then, yeah, I guess just more of a dis, uh, one thing that's kind of unique to me. And that's just because of, I, I just, I'm not really super into anime or, um, JRPGs because of, kind of the how how their stories are laid out and everything like that um i mean my anime is usually just like pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, and then that's about it so uh yeah when it, it goes a little more tropey and and there's moments that i'm like really like okay this is silly like i feel silly witnessing this or whatever um you know, I, I definitely, when I was playing, I got lots of eye rolls from Megan sitting on the couch, you know, coming up at, and I'm not talking about like, there's some silly moments in that, that are, are quite funny and comedic, but I felt that there was others that were just awkward and a little cringy to me. Um, but that's also just my personal taste, right? Like I, I don't typically play JRPGs. 
Um, the same thing goes for the like the Yakuza games being very silly. Um, and I think that's just like social norms in Japanese culture compared to Western culture, right? You know, there's just, there's a lot that's translated in Japanese video games. Uh, so yeah, that's where my dislikes fall. Uh, really not a lot to, to be upset about. Mm. Nice. <clears throat> yeah, I just, I, I keep thinking back uh, when you say about it being silly and then you talk about Yakuza and yeah. that picture you sent me on Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah. There's, there's so much in Yakuza that is way more ridiculous than anything you'll see in Final Fantasy. But, um, that's kind of what I guess makes it unique. Yeah. At least the, with this though, they kind of, that, that tropiness, that, that over the top anime feel, um, Final Fantasy 10. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. because it was intense in that game. Yeah. Uh, and and this one they kind of scaled back. Even even like Final Fantasy twelve had its moments too, um, where it was a little over the top, that kind of anime feel. And then, uh, uh, but yeah, with this one with the with remake, um, it had its parts. But um, yeah, it was. I felt it was fun. Those were always the good times for me. It was whatever <laughs> they were kind of goofing off in the middle of all this chaos and. Um, just having those moments as a as a team to to giggle about something you know but so all right well before we get into the 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 real spoiler spoilery stuff um let's just give a quick kind of uh wrap up of of your thoughts of the game and maybe give it like a rating out of 10 so uh luke why why don't you start us off with that yeah so i mean through this whole review so everything i've said so far has been obviously very positive i really enjoyed the the combat above everything else uh engaging in enemies was fun every single time i never got bored of the combat up until you know the final final boss from the first fight to the final boss it was all enjoyable to me uh, so really like that. The game looked incredible, performed, you know, really, really well. Uh, no real issues with that. Um, yeah, besides some of the, the little criticisms I had, there's there's not really, it's really hard to come up for, of things that I didn't like about this game. It, You know, even though I, it took me a little longer for me to complete it compared to you guys, I, I still was excited to booted up i mean like when i wasn't playing the game i was excited for the next opportunity i got to play the game right um and you know whenever a game does that whenever there's a game that i played and all i can think about is playing that game you know after i finish my first little play session you know that's a good sign um and there's not there's only, you know, a handful of games this generation even that have had that effect on me. And I'm, I'm glad to say that Final Fantasy VII Remake is definitely one of those games. It has op- opened me up to wanting to explore Final Fantasy even more so, um, especially talking to you guys, uh, really big fans of the franchise. Uh, it's, it's helped me kind of gradually come into it and... Uh, I, which I think is is better for me because coming into it blind, not knowing anything, 
um, would be much more difficult. So having you guys, you know, tell me and teach me of different things and even just explain things in this game, you know, has helped me have a better understanding for the world that is Final Fantasy. So yeah, after this one, I mean, I, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is taking up a big chunk of my time. But I, I do want to go back and, and beat 15 at some point in time. And, you know, uh, there's plans at some point for the almost all the Final Fantasy games, at least the main mainline ones uh to drop on game pass um sometime this year and so yeah when seven gets onto game pass i'll probably you know play through it just so i can compare the the original to the remake and everything like that so yeah i it, final fantasy 7 remake has gained a new final fantasy fan for sure and to give it a and sorry one thing that i i i i i said the word Yakuza and now all I can think about is Yakuza but that is something that I saw a comparison being made online and yeah the Yakuza games actually have all in terms of like the gameplay loop um kind of have a similar play play style I guess the the combat's completely different uh but just um how you can kind of upgrade your your weapons and and everything is very similar of how you can upgrade the combat. Um, it's, a, it's a brawler in Yakuza, so it's just your fists, I guess, and learning moves. But that's very similar in there. I mean, even the uh, they call it the Colosseum in Final Fantasy VII with the Hell House. Is that what that place is called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The Colosseum. Yeah, so it's literally almost identical to a... Uh, similar thing in I can't even remember what it's called in Yakuza but it looks almost identical to and uh, how it's laid out um, it has a there's a similar thing you can experience in the Yakuza game so when I saw that I was very nostalgic and it was like man this is like the like playing through a Yakuza game so uh, yeah that was a, a great surprise to me of this game ended up being uh really similar to a franchise i've already am well acquainted with so uh rating out of 10 this was really hard and i think even from when we first recorded just a couple of days ago to today i think i've actually bumped it up i was sitting at like an 8.5 but i gotta i i'm gonna give it a 9 out of 10 um it's not a quite a masterpiece in, in stealing ign's 10 out of 10 definition but because uh, I, I do think there were some things that could have been done better. But, I mean, just overall, the game is just incredible. And, um, you know, I'm trying to sell it to some of my friends who are, also aren't into JRPGs. as just to try, try it out for themselves. So, yeah, 9 out of 10. And I am really excited to, to play Part 2 whenever that comes down the road. Yeah, uh Sounds uh, <laughs> totally fair there. Uh, Steven, how about yourself? Yeah, well well said, Luke. And um, for mine, like, it's a, um, it is a well-paced game. And it didn't feel crammed or bogged down in those places that they expanded the world for us based off the original one. And all of that felt natural in, in the way that they did expand it. Um, and it really, uh, other than those, those two things that I mentioned before, um, kind of that randomly placed character and the and the side quest side quest side of things that could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Uh, this game really is um, incredibly built uh, technically and uh, um, scripted well. It is uh, the combat system is is 
very well put together where um, everything within a combat sequence is seamless and uh, so much fun to deal with, uh, especially on that strategy side. The difficulty felt well balanced as well, where um, you had, uh, you know, you had a, you had a, a scale to deal with even in one difficulty setting where things were easy and it worked all its way, uh, you know, worked its way up to being uh, very difficult. So it was, uh, there were parts that were challenging uh, and then would make you think. Uh, puzzles were a lot of fun with it. Uh, the biggest thing too is that it doesn't stray from the original game story. Um, it really kind of sticks to it. And as we get into the spoiler cast, I'll get into that a little bit more about how I feel, how they dealt with some of those those new elements that they added to it. Um, and they and throughout the entire game, from the soundtrack to the story to the environments, you just get this amazing balance of new and old uh, that's kind of built into this into this game. I myself will call this a masterpiece. I give this game a 10 out of 10. And I'll use this opportunity to give my my little bit of uh, personal uh, announcement on this. Um, before this game, my favorite Final Fantasy game of all time was Final Fantasy VI, um, for all of its obvious reasons. But I'm officially putting this as my uh, all-time favorite Final Fantasy game now. It is just so wow. well made. Uh, and the soundtrack is so good. The character development is so good. Um, everything that they did with this game has impressed me uh, above and beyond. And it is now my favorite Final Fantasy game of all time. Dang. It's high praise <laughs> for yep. sure. It is, yeah. Jeez. Until uh, they do the remake to Final Fantasy VI. And then of course. It's, it's pretty much right back, right back to where it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for me, like, yeah, you guys have pretty much said it all. Like, this is just a um, an amazing game. Like, you know, taking one of my favorite games of all time and totally remaking it from the ground up to be this this new yet um, uh, new yet classic uh, experience is, is just so good that that's perfect for uh, longtime fans or newcomers alike. Obviously, you know me and Stephen, we we love the original. We love this one, Luke. You have no ties to the original, but you love this one, so. Um, it's clearly a game that anybody can can enjoy and fall in love with and, uh, you know, become acquainted with the Final Fantasy series or just uh, continue to love the series and as a whole. Um, you know, so many classic elements, so many new elements, uh, not just from, like, story part of it, but, you know, the, uh, the, the soundtrack as well. It's... It, it really is. Um, I, I kind of want to say masterpiece, but at the same time, um, I think there are some kind some shortcomings that um, you know are, are just keeping it just out of out of reach. Some some uh, it, definitely interesting things lie ahead, and I'm very much looking forward to to uh, the continuation of the story and experiencing the rest of the game. I. Uh, Personally, don't think I would rate it above Final Fantasy VI, but um, I, I think it's definitely a, uh, a worthy addition to the franchise. Uh, I think I would probably give it, I really want to give it a 10, but I think uh, realistically I'd give it a like a 9.5. Solid. Um, yeah. Um, so now that we're through all that, the review's kind of out of the way, 
uh, it is spoiler time. So for anybody that uh, is still listening and is not ready for spoilers, now's the time to uh, hit the pause button and come back a little later when you are ready to um, hear our discussion on the spoilers. So again, last last chance to not hear anything you don't want to <laughs> hear if you're not ready. Um, so so here we go. So there's there's a ton to talk about. Uh, the the ending of the game is is really where things just absolutely deviate from the original, mm-hmm. um, yep. as well as just some really good points in between that that we can talk about. You know, from uh, from start to finish, there's some interesting things, some new things that were added in. Um, you know, I figure this could maybe be just kind of a free form discussion um, where we can just kind of talk about parts that we thought were. Uh, really interesting mm-hmm. or, or should be pointed out. Um, and then, of course, you know, um, we can theorize, speculate, and, um, you know, commiserate regarding the, the ending of the game. So uh, where do you guys want to – where do you want to start? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. There's a lot we can, where we could start. I don't know if there's maybe a specific chapter. So – I, I honestly I want to I want to go to Aerith with you Adam because okay. I'm I'm ready to go to the mat on this one I think <laughs> that her as a character in this um, the way that they portrayed her um, and Sephiroth can kind of be added into this discussion as well because throughout the throughout the game as the uh, um, as things progress and things happen and these whispers that they've introduced that are kind of controlling fate. Um, are doing their thing. Aerith has these moments where she's taking a look at the situation. She knows exactly what's supposed to be happening. It's like she's been here before. And that's like one of the cool things that I picked up from her and Sephiroth both is that they understand exactly how this timeline is supposed to play out. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as if they're... Aerith is almost like... She's kind of on the on the side of it, watching it, because that's the only thing that she can do. Where Sephiroth is kind of in this, I'm going to force my will and adjust the way that this is supposed to go down. I want my outcome to happen, where Aerith is just kind of like, this needs to pan out the way that it's supposed to. This is what the planet is deciding, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, and that's oh, no, what I, I agree with I, you. Yeah, whenever she has those moments where like she, you know, her, her attitude flips, that switch flips. It's always in those cases where she's like... And that's where the majority is, is, is it's underlying. It's not there all the time because she knows how tragic of a tale that this is going to be, right? So she has to take those moments to make things as lighthearted as they possibly can so she can enjoy the ride while she's on it because she knows what her fate is. And I think that that's where a lot of that kind of over-the-top uh, wittiness and bubbly comes from is that she's trying to have a good time while she can. And those moments where... Uh, things aren't going the way that she thinks they should or or anything like that. She kind of just like, she flips that switch on and it's time to listen to Aerith. Or whenever she sees Sephiroth and she's like, you, like, I know exactly who you are and what you're supposed to do. And Sephiroth knows exactly who he is and what he's supposed to do. And like, they have that stare down for a moment. And that I think her character involved in all of those different phases that she goes through, um, she's one of my favorites in the game because of those different points where it's just like, she's, she knows the future. She knows what's supposed to happen. And, and, uh, you know, she's got that ability to kind of flip that switch and, and, and be serious, uh, while kind of also understanding, uh, to have fun while she can, you know, I get that. I think they just, I think they just dialed it up a little too much. Um, 
again, I, I think it's just, uh, you know, I, I get, and she was like that in the original too. Like she wasn't just like the face of serious seriousness the whole way. Like she definitely mm-hmm. had, but I, I think there was more, more of a balance. And, and in this one, it's, it's just 90% like just like, she just like acts like a little kid. Um, and in a way she is because she lived a very sheltered life, but at the same time, like it's, I don't know, it, it's too much. Um, the, the maturity, it, I just, it isn't really there except for like, it's almost like an awakening for her. Like she's, I don't know, like part of her is asleep and then the other parts, just some little kid running around doing, doing whatever. And, and yeah, she's, so it, it comes out later that she's, uh, in ancient or, or et cetera. And so obviously she's very tuned to the planet and the, uh, the life stream and everything. So, so yeah, I, I totally agree that she knows exactly what's going to, she knows what her fate is. And, uh, and then at the end too, like when, when Sephiroth was basically like, Hey, go, go kill fate. Mm-hmm. Um, she stopped cloud for a second because I, on the one hand, I think she thought to herself, like this, this course ultimately leads in, uh, Sephiroth's defeat and you know maybe things should play out the way they're supposed to but then eventually she does you know let him go in and, and take care of business because that leaves an unwritten future uh, which she drops a line during that that sort of uh, that fight with with destiny where uh, she says there there's always uh, oh gosh what did she say there's always an unwritten future or um you know, something future, along those lines. Future's where, never written something, something like that. So, or um, I think it was something along the lines of everything, uh, everything from here on is unwritten. I think yeah, it was something, yeah. something like that. She said it's a very poignant, uh, um, you know, phrase that she had through in the game, where it was just kind of like, all right, we definitely are going to be looking at something um, pretty different as we move forward. Uh, just as this final chapter is kind of spelled out for us, but yeah, yeah. yeah, I just think her personality didn't didn't show enough balance, and I think it was just too too far on the the the, the side of I'm just some little kid, and 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 nothing is wrong in the world ever, um, sort of sort of mentality. But um, do do you have any thoughts on that, Luke? Um... <laughs> Well, yeah. We've so, kind of steamrolled the conversation. No, I, I yeah. Honestly, I kind of expect in this spoiler talk for you guys to do a majority of the talking because you also have the, the not only like the knowledge of Final Fantasy VII original, but just Final Fantasy knowledge in general. Um, so I, I totally expect you guys to lead this part of the discussion. But where um, I did kind of just want to, because for me, Obviously, rolling credits and seeing everything and how it unfolded in the end, I was a little confused. Um, you know, for me, I didn't know that this was different from the original game. It wasn't until I started going online and looking up of like the explanations of the ending and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, there's a lot going on here more than I even I was looking for just some simple explanations, but they actually are. Or changing things even for the the fans that have played the original. So mm-hmm. um, I guess kind of what I wanted to ask you guys is, is I just kind of want more of like a clarification on the ending and where where like things are, are left off and everything. Because 
Because to me, like for, for me playing this game, not having any clue who Sephiroth is, I'm like, okay, obviously this guy doesn't have a huge role until like he has like certain moments where he has these flashbacks and there's these scenes with Cloud and I'm like, okay, I'm not sure what they mean yet, but I'm sure as the game progresses, I'm going to find out. And, you know, we get to the end and all that happens uh, with the final boss and in beating him. And yeah, I just like, I, I just, I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm, I just, I'm looking for more of an X. So what I, I guess <laughs> what I want from you guys is who is the black haired cloud character, Zach? And, <laughs> you know, what, how is this different from the original ending? So Ooh. chapter 18 is all new. Um, everything that happened in that in that instance where you're kind of going up against fate, uh, you battle Sephiroth at the end, mm-hmm. um, all of the all of the uh, kind of citywide destruction that occurs at, at one point, um, all of that stuff is, is brand new. It's kind of this, uh, I feel like what they were doing there is they were showing this continuity, uh, then moving away from the, the continuity of the timeline and everything is gotcha. adjusting to that. So yeah. like the universe around them is getting obliterated and now everything's kind of coming back together again. Um, and that's why we see these little changes. So Zach, uh, in the original one, and correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, but I'm pretty sure he dies. He's not even in it. Uh, he perishes in that scene that he walks away from in the remake. Mm-hmm. So um, him being alive now, it now raises the question on how he's going to play a role going in forward. Now we have Zach, a whole character that we never really got any piece of um, other than small little snippets in the original game and uh, whatever the the prequel or whatever that they had out that I didn't play, but uh, he was, I think he was a part of that, but like we've never really had him around. And so that was really cool to kind of see that Zach is going to be, be something as we move forward with it. But yeah, chapter 18 kind of threw me for a loop. I was sitting there playing it and it was like, what is, what is it? What is happening? Like, I have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. I thought that these, I thought that these, uh, and it confirmed my theory about the whispers. The whispers are kind of these these entities that are making sure that the will of the planet goes as is. So Sephiroth dies, Aerith has her fate, uh, Cloud and the gang do their right. gig. It wants to make sure that all these things happen. Wedge, Biggs, and Jesse all die. You know, like they're all trying to make they're trying to make sure that this this stuff happens the way that it should. And then you stand up to them in eighteen and say, "No, we're changing this game. We're changing the way that things are going to progress." And that's I think that's what struck a, that's what struck me in chapter eighteen is like we're now we're now changing the fate of nearly everybody. Uh, kind of this butterfly effect. Uh, is occurring and it's um that was a really interesting piece on that last chapter so like once you hit there like you're with the rest of us now we're Mm -hmm. kind of all on the same playing field as soon as you beat this game is we don't know what's going to happen at this point um you know they uh and and we have zach so it's going to be it's going to be pretty interesting what do you got adam what do you got to add to that so uh first off to to go back to who is zach um so he was he was the hero or he was the the main uh, protagonist of Crisis Core, which is a prequel to uh, the original Final Fantasy VII. He is uh, soldier first class. He and Cloud and Sephiroth go to a, or this is how it's explained in the original Final Fantasy VII. He, Cloud, and Sephiroth go to uh, Cloud's hometown of Nibelheim. There's a Mako reactor there where things are malfunctioning, so the three of them go to. Um, to, to check things out uh, in the process uh, Sephiroth 
uh, in exploring the Mako reactor, finds out that he was ultimately... Sorry, is it Mako or Mako? Mako. Mako, I'm (laughs) I'm just going to Sorry, that's one of my things. No, that's everyone's thing, is I'm hearing all these podcasters (laughs) saying, they're like, I was saying Mako my entire life, but it's Mako. Uh It's like Tifa. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of them that was just like, I have to adjust. Yeah, Yeah. but yeah. Sorry, just (laughs) fucking you. So, so it's in there that he finds out that he is, uh, he's, he's, he's an experiment. Um, He is, he is not a human being. Um, he was basically engineered out of the cells of Genova, um, which in the original game describes Genova as basically it's an alien. It's a parasitic alien, mm-hmm. basically comes in, chews up the life force of planets and, uh, and then leaves. Um, so the, uh, he is basically, he's a byproduct of Genova, which is why he always calls her mother. Um, mm-hmm. and he there's there's a shinra mansion in in nibelheim that has a lot of uh literature from uh professor hojo and professor gast who they were they were colleagues at one point studying genova and the uh ancients and so he finds all the history on that and just goes mental um destroys the town uh so zach and cloud then and and, and tifa um, they go to try and stop Sephiroth at uh, at the Mako reactor as he's going to pull Genova out of there and and free her. So uh, through through the efforts, Cloud and Zack and Tifa they they all nearly die. Meanwhile, Cloud uh, we all think thought killed Sephiroth because he threw him down into the uh, basically a pit of of Mako. And uh, so everyone nearly died. Zach and Cloud were b- taken back to the mansion um, and were, were heavily tested on. Um, uh, again, they both nearly nearly died there, especially Cloud. He ended up in kind of like a almost like a comatose state. He got severe Mako poisoning, uh, which I, th- I think they mentioned at one point, maybe mm-hmm. in, in Remake. Yeah, they kind of allude to it with, like their eyes and stuff right yeah yeah so so during that time he basically he was poisoned with mako uh nearly died zach seemed to sustain the less of it um but he zach gets out he busts cloud out they're on their way back to midgar and then right on the outskirts of midgar they get waylaid by by uh shinra troops and uh zach dies there so like Steven was saying, in this one, uh, fate is destroyed, and it seems to seems that that has crossed through uh, multiple planes or timelines um, to to where he then escaped that that uh, that encounter, and is still alive uh, on some plane of existence. He's also uh, Zach is also um, Aerith's first love, so. Um, so we'll see how, how that plays into things too. And you can kind of mm-hmm. see she, she feels Zach through, um, you know, I guess through the planet's energy or across, you know, planes or timelines as he's kind of, him and Cloud are kind of stumbling by and, uh, in that same space, but just in different times or, or whatever. And she feels him and you kind of see her look over, um, at that point she recognizes his his presence 
Um, and so basically what happened is, is Cloud sort of assumed Zack's identity uh, because when they went to Nibelheim, Cloud wasn't a first-class soldier. He was he was a grunt, basically. Um, uh, Zack was, was actually the first-class soldier, so while Cloud was sort of comatose, Zack was trying to keep, I guess, keep his spirits up and was uh, basically re- kind of recounting his experiences, and Cloud sort of... Uh, identified with that on his own and kind of took over Zach's Zach's persona. Um, so, and a lot of times when he's Cloud is kind of remembering things, he's he's remembering it incorrectly. He's remembering himself in in that whole sequence that happened in Nibelheim. He's remembering that them as though he were Zach, and um, it, it's kind of confu- kind of interesting in the original because he's telling this story and and uh, shortly after you leave Midgar, he's he's retelling the story to uh, the whole party. And there's certain points where Tifa kind of interrupts and she's like, it's sort of like a, how do you know this sort of thing? And you don't find out till way later in the game that Cloud was just sort of the grunt of the mission and, and then everything that happened. But, um, and a but, lot of those, <clears throat> a lot of those, uh, headaches that he would get Luke and throughout the remake and you'd get these flashbacks and stuff. A lot of that's related to, to those, those false memories of his. Mm-hmm. So like, it's almost as if, um, I don't know if it's them trying to push themselves out and, uh, then Sephiroth will come in and kind of manipulate things mm-hmm. with them as well. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of connection because of that, that occurrence that happened, uh, and Nibelheim, um, that's pretty much why he's doing a lot of that headache stuff, and he has that connection to Sephiroth the way he does, because it's um, it was during that event that a lot of this this me- uh, memory crossing started started really taking effect. So my understanding of that is that the the experiments that were run on Cloud were used uh, were done using uh, Genova cells. So they were basically trying to kind of like what we see in in. Uh, in remake, you know, there's that underground facility with all those uh, weird uh, test people, and then again in Shinra, uh, the Shinra building, in that, you know, where Genova was stored, there's all those those, what do they call them, unknown uh, entities or something like that, mm-hmm. um, yep. or whatever whatever they're called. But they're basically test subjects where uh, Hojo's kind of trying to recreate the Sephiroth experiment using Genova cells. And, and that's essentially what happened. So now Cloud has this link to Sephiroth through Genova. Um, and and uh, Sephiroth is able to use that to, to kind of manipulate Cloud and uh, manipulate his, his uh, perception of reality. Um, kind of like how we saw with Marco in, um, in uh, the Sector 7 slums. And then there was another tattooed guy in the Sector 5 slums. Uh, those are all basically the same, same, same thing. They were people that were experimented on, um, trying to create like more, more Sephiroths and, uh, except the only difference is, is that cloud sort of has some identity of, of his own. He has some, some sort of personality of his own where these other guys were just completely domineered by the experiments and are, essentially puppets for Sephiroth at this point. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my understanding of it. Hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I guess another question I wanted to ask you guys is 
and you you kind of have both touched on it a little bit but like what is your your reaction as you're seeing these things like when you're you come across the whispers or when you get to chapter 18 like you're obviously like okay this is different um yeah what's your initial reactions on these these big changes from the original like were they did you expect them to go this far off I think uh, I think that's why eighteen chapter eighteen caught me for such a loop is I wasn't expecting that direction. I was like, okay, everything's because up until even even to the point where you're hopping on the bike, there's these little story changes that they made to 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 expand that part. So like, whenever you're on top of Shinra headquarters and President Shinra's hanging off the building and Barrett, you know, lifts him up and is kind of toying with him because he he's a real bastard, you know. So like that all that all is new so like those those type of things where they were kind of adding into story to kind of fill in and and make it more interesting compared to what you were dealing with in the original that was that was cool and okay with me i was enjoying all those little bits that they were putting there um where i got thrown off was on was it was in chapter 18 and and then you're sitting here watching that you're literally going to tear the timeline to shreds and start start something new um so i was very pleased with those little bits that they were just kind of changing around and it was it was fulfilling it was fulfilling the role of everybody within the story but it was doing it in kind of a new way that made it more interesting than what the original game was able to those are kind of my thoughts on those Mm -hmm. little bits so in chapter 18 i almost texted adam while i was going through this i was like what am i watching right now like what am i seeing at this point because like it was so far off of what the original was mm-hmm. that I didn't understand it at first. And then finally, after kind of thinking it over and, and, and mulling through a little bit, it's like, okay, I get it. I know what they're doing now. Um, and as long as they don't completely trash the back half or part two uh, and, and what is essentially the, the most exciting and fun part of the game in the original, if they don't thrash it, um, I think part two is going to be really, really good because they're going to have those places where they can do that same type of thing where they kind of just do a little dial turn and adjust the direction of the game a little bit and or the, the uh, or a character or whatever it may be. Um, I think it I think it adds a, a little bit of mystery to what we're about to get into. And it's um, and that's cool because then we have we have a new game to look forward to. Basically, mm-hmm. it's not like with this, we were expecting a cookie cutter cookie cutter remake of the original game with some minor changes and for the most part that's what we got but now we have room for more and we see what they did here for just the first three hours and what we can and and it gives us a guideline of what we can kind of expect for the next next half of the next parts of the game that they're going to get into yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of torn on it because at the end uh they did such a good job recreating you know, uh, Midgar and, and what is essentially almost, you know, beat for beat the opening portion of the original game. And then, you know, at the end, you know, everything's changing. It's a, you know, it could essentially be a brand new story going forward. So on, on the one part, I'm just like, I just want this game that I love to be like remade. I like, I just want the final fantasy story. Right. Um, to, to be Final Fantasy VII and just continue, can do what you did with this game and just do that with the rest of the story. On but the like, other hand... I was going to ask you, Adam, so like if they, um, to kind of chime in on, the, on a question for you here, if everything kind of remains the same, but then you get these certain changes, like let's say, for instance, Aerith, Aerith's fate 
is not what we know it to be. That doesn't occur in part two. Does that is that something that's going to bother you? No, it, it's not. So uh, that's that's the other thing. On, on the other hand, I'm kind of excited to see what the story could become. Um, so I, I'm not like totally against against the changes because I mean at this point I'm I'm kind of expecting that Aerith isn't going to die in the original. You know, everybody knows at this point. Luke, you said even even you know. Oh yeah, I knew <laughs> years <laughs> ago. <laughs> um, so so Aerith dies. Sephiroth kills Aerith at, at one point in the original game, um, and and there's a very real possibility that that might not happen now, which is which is very yep. interesting. Uh, because going through this game, you, you just always kind of have in the back of your mind, like, oh, at some point she's going to die. She's going to get killed. Um, but I, I think there's a re- very real possibility that doesn't happen. So it, it's interesting uh, to see what direction they could take um, and, and how things could play out very differently from the original. But again, on the one hand, like if they just redid the original game and did beat for beat, I wouldn't be unhappy with that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that would be fantastic. Like I, you know, it's, it was, it was crushing. It was very emotional. Um, but at the same time, it was such a good story driver, you know, her yeah. death. That was, that was such a good, like push forward and, and sort of um, the part where, where cloud sort of lost his foundation on, on his, uh, his mental stability was mm-hmm. was at that point mm-hmm. and and it kind of allowed Sephiroth to really take over there and uh you know it it be interesting to see if you know at, at eventually in the original story Cloud and and Tifa kind of work through his his uh subconscious and sort of break him free of Sephiroth's hold on him so I'm I'm curious to see if maybe you know he has that moment with Aerith um you know, in, in the, the new portions of the game. It could even be one of those things, just like how they, they have that cutscene, uh, where the cutscene's determined by actions earlier on who may take Cloud through that. Because now that you have Aerith and mm-hmm. Tifa, Tifa, if they're going to both be continuing forward. So not only do you have the date scene to to look forward to and how your decisions will, will change that, but maybe even your decisions will change on who's taking him through his subconscious to, es- to ultimately escape Sephiroth finally. You know, and... Uh, get that hold off of them uh but you're right there is some really interesting stuff that they can introduce into this and i don't think it's going to have any sort of overbearing change to the story because we're still going to go to the end and beat sephiroth's ass and um you know i think that things are still going to progress uh the way that the story did in in the original final fantasy i just think that we're we're going to have these little little uh, um changes throughout that just kind of you know uh, give a new perspective, I guess you could say, on on how the story's being told. Part of me kind of wonders if Sephiroth is going to be the true villain in the end. Um, the fact that they they had us fighting Sephiroth at the very end of the game, I, I feel like they kind of busted out too much too soon because you're you're literally getting um, a, a portion of the final boss from the original Final Fantasy VII, along with the music for mm-hmm. the final boss of final fantasy. So I'm like, that seems a little too soon to be, to be busting this out now. So I, I'm kind of wondering if, you know, there's going to be some, some new villain that kind of takes over, like maybe, maybe, you know, Sephiroth is defeated earlier somewhere in the series. Like maybe he's not the end bad guy. Like maybe there's a, an even greater threat. Um, Cause it, it did seem weird to me. It was one thing like at the end, you kind of understand now why, 
Sephiroth showed up much earlier in this game than what he did in the original. Yeah. Um, because the original, they only really make mention of him until you're about to leave Midgar, and then there's sort of a, a little bit more uptick in um in his actions because he gets Genova out of the the Shinra building, mm-hmm. but you don't really have any major run-ins with him until further in the game. And, and he's, he only kind of shows up every once in a while where he was, he had a very large presence in this game and it it was kind of weird going through. I'm like, why is there so much Sephiroth in this game? Like it it just seemed, again, it, it felt too early for it all, but now it makes more sense why, but it also makes me think that if, he if there's so much of him already and we already have an end game fight with it like are we just going to fight Sephiroth at the end of every <laughs> every portion of this game like cuz that i don't think that would be a great step to take so i'm wondering if if there's more like if he well, I mean we not... had we had Genova multiple times throughout the original yeah. you know yeah. and and it kind of seems like we're going to go in that same sense i don't see why we couldn't have multiple Sephiroth fights maybe different forms each time different abilities a different battle set whatever it may be i think that they can i think they have enough to to play around with there to keep it interesting on how we deal with Sephiroth going forward um, but the thing was is that Genova wasn't a final boss that was just another boss yeah. Like, I think I don't want to fight Sephiroth as the final boss of each part of this game. I just I feel like that's just too much, too much Sephiroth. And, and I don't want it to, to get too samey, um, you know, and it, it also seems uh, kind of like a lack of creativity if that's the route they go. Mm. Yeah, they'll definitely have to find that balance of if, if you know, they they stick to the final Sephiroth battle, you know, making that bigger and epic because you're you're concluding like who knows at that point. I'm I'm hoping it's just like part one, part two. But if it's like three games in total, right? You know, that's that's a big journey that people went on. So you need to to make that stand out above the endings from the the part one or the part two, right? Yeah. So speaking of Genova, that was that was the track that I mentioned earlier in the show oh, that I couldn't so talk good. about. Like the the Genova song was always really great in the original, but man, they cranked it up in this game. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh man, it was it was awesome. They that was probably my favorite track of the game, um, especially because they they sort of in the first like three quarters of that fight, like it's it's just like a. It, kind of a new take on the Genova theme. And then you get to that final quarter and they, they take it, they dial it back to um, just like a remastered version of the original Genova boss music. And that was where I was like, this song freaking slaps. <laughs> and, and it was so good. Um, so yeah, I just, I just wanted to throw that out there. Like I, I love the Genova music so much. Always have. That whole that whole chapter seven or uh, seventeen segment there, where you're in the lab and going through the different the different uh, sections of Hojo's lab, where he's kind of mm-hmm. testing you and making you unlock it was things. Too like too long. It was very um, long. <laughs> I loved it. I loved chapter seventeen. Like too that was long. one of my favorite ones. I have it written down here with stars. I'm like chapter seventeen, <laughs> Hojo, Genova, and Rufus. Like it was that whole that whole sequence there, kind of going through the. Um, now going up the stairs, I don't know if you guys took the stairs. Not in that's Shibra. what I was going to ask you guys. What, <laughs> oh. what you took, but I, I've done, I was I've with done Garrett. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was with Garrett on that one. I'm like, this is just this is awful. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. 
A lot of people love it for the dialogue and everything, but but to be honest, if you take the elevator, there's some really good dialogue there too. There's it, yeah. there's a really. What did you do, Luke? I I took the stairs. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, um. Yeah. I've done both because I played the chapter multiple times. But yeah, I I think I actually enjoyed it. the stairs had some some fun dialogue, but I I think I enjoyed the elevator more. Yeah, the elevator was a good time because I did that on uh, to get back to Chadley and the and the mm. VR fights. Mm. Um, I have to go back through that whole port part, and I'm like, I'm not taking the stairs this time. I hop the elevator. <laughs> yeah. um, it was it was a good ride, and it's not like it was it was boring or anything. It was just a quick trip. Like there were stops, and there's combat involved with it, and there's uh, there's um, NPCs that show up, and there's some good dialogue that they have, and just some silly stuff that kind of goes down with it. it has each of those each of those points uh have their own quirks about them and um that was a really cool part about the shinra headquarters for sure mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun i will say the part i didn't like about shinra headquarters was the uh the, the with tifa where you're doing like the the monkey bars oh yeah, um, oh, yeah. That was that was a little tedious and like swinging like jumping across like the the chandeliers yeah. and swinging on the it's like oh my god like this this didn't need to be a thing. It's like <laughs> it's like very clear that like yeah it leave the platforming to games that have platforming in them. <laughs> right. When you try to put it in a game like this as a new mechanic, it's just like oh man this stands out in, in not a good way. <laughs> um, speaking of Shinra HQ. What, the the part that's kind of like a, a tour, like a museum, that was an addition, correct? Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what did you guys think of that and the presentation of that, of uh, specifically, you know, the the cinematic scene of in that virtual reality type space? That, for me, watching that, that was really cool. I was quite yeah, impressed. Yeah, like that, that, that holodeck type thing. Yeah, and when it was yeah, like was zooming cool. in and out of the environments with... Um, you know, them standing there, just like how that was uh, directed and everything was, I was so impressed. It was actually visually one of the highlights in the game for me. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, and they, they used really good music there. Um, they, they pulled that from, from the original uh, Final Fantasy seven. It's, it's kind of the theme, I guess, of, of the ancients that mm-hmm. they used for that, which is fitting because they were talking about the ancients. Um so yeah, I thought that was really great, and that was like a full blown like cutscene, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, just went above and beyond like the the sort of graphical experience we we see with all the other sort of in in game mm-hmm. cutscenes. This was like a, a full on like little movie scene that they did, which was great. Yeah. Now the floor below that, where they where they put you in a hallway where the the screens light up and they're like, "Welcome to Shinra." Yeah. We're all I'm like, yeah. Not Th- so much. That, yeah, that part I didn't like so much, especially when you're replaying the chapter and you have to sit through it. It's like, okay, like I've Let's done this, like, please, yeah. and you can't skip it. Um, yeah, that part I could have done without, but but yeah, that sort of like holodeck thing they did was was, was really, really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the way that you true explore that in the original is you're literally going to each floor that they're talking about, and you get kind of the gist of what what that's all about. So that big scale model of the of Midgar. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the one part, you actually go around and collect pieces to complete it, to get an item. So like, there's a little, little side quest involved with that thing. So the way that they organize that whole thing, um, kind of streamlined compared to what the original game was, Mm -hmm. because, you know, while this Shinra HQ was long, so was that one. And it wasn't nearly, 
uh, as big of a game. So like you have this huge portion of the time that you're spending going from floor to floor collecting key cards, uh, definitely a lot more time collecting key cards than the original. So how they, mm-hmm. how they arrange this explanation of each department and then giving you that cutscene at the end about the ancients, like all of that was really, really cool. I thought it was, um, I only watched, I, I walked away from the controller on the second time going through that part, but, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a cool arrangement on how they did that. Another really good take on, on the original, original adaptation, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, uh, the mayor. Yeah. Yeah. Really? The mayor. I set you guys up. The mayor. <laughs> Is the best. There you go. <laughs> See, that one went over, right over my head. <laughs> it took me a bit. I got yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, um I've. I want to go to uh, chapter to chapter twelve, the plate support. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. That whole thing, um, that was for me. That was the big emotional turning point of the game. Everything was very successful in what you what you and your team were getting into. So the the lightheartedness was understandable, and everybody was just kind of doing a really good job. And then you get to you get to the plate support. Um, and just prior to that, in chapter 11, and you're moving, you're moving out of the train graveyard, and you can see in the background, and I took a screenshot of it, like I had to, you can see in the background at the plate support, the gunfire and muzzle mm-hmm. flashes and, and yeah. helicopters flying around and stuff like, really, really awesome, the way that they did that. And then you get up there and you start going and it's like, you can, you literally can just walk to the person and give them a potion and save Jesse and Biggs and Wedge and all those guys. But then the whispers show up, and that's where the big hint for me came in about these things that they're they're trying to keep everything the way that it the way that we remember it, you know, um, and they kind of block you away so you can't do anything, and eventually, supposedly, they they die in your arms type of deal, uh, which we find out later is not the case, or at least them doing that was erased by defeating the whispers at the end of chapter 18, you know, so like there's a, a lot of twisty turnies things that go there, but yeah, a uh, huge emission of turning point for the game there, I think. And uh, for me, it was sobering watching this all go down. So like, I, because especially in chapter 11, whenever you see the battle happening in the background and you know, like we know what's going to happen. Like uh, original, original players of the original game, we know that this plate's coming down, and it's about to smash all of these people that we've come to know and love through our side questing and our adventuring in this in this new new slums. So it's like, I'm sitting, I'm I almost didn't want to go. You know what I mean? There was kind of this trepidation. I don't want to walk up there because I know what's going to happen. I know who's about to die. Um, I know what's about to happen to the city. I, I, you almost have this trepidation to, to move forward at that point. Whenever I saw that scene, it was, uh, it was incredibly powerful for me. I, I loved it. It was one of my, one of my star points for, for the game and how they, how they portrayed it for sure. Yeah. And it was, it was really like, yeah, once the plate had fallen and just how that changed Midgar above you was, was really noticeable to, to mm-hmm. me because you had, you were blown away already when the first time you look up and now looking up and seeing like just how big of a change that had on this city and all the, like it was, yeah, like jaw dropping for sure. 
Yeah, that was definitely a big scene. Um, you know, especially too, because in the the original game, uh, pretty much the first thing that happens when you walk into that space is Wedge falls from the tower, and and he dies. And then and this one comes and and he pulls out his uh, his grappling hook. Yes. Yeah, there was a bit of an interruption, but we're still good. Okay. We're still recording. Yeah. Okay. okay. Just... So he he starts falling and he pulls out his grappling hook and it's like, oh my god, like is this gonna work? And then like, sure enough, he actually makes it down and and I, I was very surprised at that moment. And that's kind of, um, you know, it was weird for me because like the the whispers didn't like do their thing with him like like they did for Biggs and Jesse, but. Um, yeah, it was so weird because I'm like, oh man, he's going to, he's going to fall. He's going to fall. Don't fall. And then like, here he comes and then he kind of stops himself and it's just kind of sigh of relief. But then it's like, okay, well what, what's going to happen? Like, because he doesn't, he doesn't make it out of all this. So what are they going to do to him? And, um, so yeah, it was just really interesting the way, the way that all played out. And, and of course the, the question is because we see Biggs at the end is, is he, what timeline is he alive in? Is that the Zach timeline? Is that the, the actual like timeline that we've been playing in? Like, and, and are the others alive too? the other avalanche members that supposedly died there? Like what, where, where are they sort of thing? So that'll be interesting to find out. My theory on this is that there is an erasure of what, what those whispers forced after we beat them at the end of chapter 18, all of the things that they caused to happen throughout the game were pretty much erased. So the fate of Wedge, the fate of Biggs, the fate of Jesse, the fate of Zack, who we can only assume uh, was orchestrated by the Whispers to for him to die. With them being eliminated from the picture in that timeline, I believe that it's all within the same within the same realm uh, that all of these things kind of were taken back and now we have jesse biggs and wedge alive we have zach alive so i i think that um it's not so much that it's a different universe or a different different timeline i think the timeline that we're on is shifted now and everything that the whispers did has been erased since we defeated them in chapter 18 does that make so sense? there is there is a uh, counterpoint to that that might disprove your thought is mm. uh at the very end with zach and you see the the potato chip bag with stamp flow across the screen. It's a different dog than the one we've seen throughout the rest of the game. Mm. It's not the same stamp. Yeah, it's like uh, I I don't know the difference of the dog. Uh, yeah, for you. I, I don't it, I don't know what breed it is, it's, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a different, different dog. Yeah. So it it certainly seems to uh, to lead people to, to believe that it's it's sort of a different um, a different existence. Mm-hmm. It's not entirely out of the realm, though, because butterfly effect, whenever you change one thing, even if it's small, mm-hmm. you know, that it, it can change change continuity everywhere True. or cause a big effect. Yeah. Um, and time time is a really wacky thing. My physics background on this is that time's not a linear, linear thing, uh, even though we perceive it to be. So, like, there's a lot of different play. It, it's all theoretical at this point. Everything that we come up with is, is a hypothetical situation. So, like, it's 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 all all fan fan theory i guess you could say but i think that we're all within the same timeline zach is alive in our timeline right now and i i don't the only thing that i'm not that i'm wondering is what role that's going to be whenever he uh 
whenever we get to, to finally work with him, if mm-hmm. it's going to be expansion type of situation, or is he going to be a character in part two? Um, you know, what's, what's, that's the question. What's his deal though? Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I still think it's, it's a different timeline just because of the fact too, that when, when Aerith and, and him kind of cross paths, like she felt his presence yeah. at the time that he was, he was moving through that space. So that makes me think that, uh, that that was sort of happening in real time, but just across, you know, different sort of a plane of existence yeah. or whatever. That's that's what I gathered in that moment as well, Adam. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I I personally I, I want to talk about chapter nine. Um, mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite chapters of the game. So, in the uh, it, the original Final Fantasy VII, the same same kind of thing happened. Uh, Tifa. Uh, kind of has herself going to visit uh, Don Corneo. Uh, so I, I always pronounce him as Don Corneo. So if I say Corneo, that's why, um, because that's just how I always pronounce it in my head. But she's she's going to Corneo, and uh, Cloud goes to save her, and uh, Aerith comes too. And so so the whole thing with the cross-dressing, like that, that was a thing in the original. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know a lot of people were glad that came back, including myself, because that was just um, just a super fun part of the game. Um, and they they added so much to it. Like in the original, it was it was it was really interesting because you could get certain items for Cloud that would increase his probability of being selected by uh, Dawn in the mansion. So. Where in this game, I, I think it's pretty much just always predetermined that Cloud's going to get picked. Mm-hmm. Um, in the original, the person that got picked depended on what items Cloud got. So you could get uh, a certain like dress, uh, a, a certain wig. You get like deodorant, uh, you know, things like I, I think underwear you would collect too. So it, like mm-hmm. depending on how many of these things you collected and what quality of thing you collected would determine whether or not he picked you. And uh, so there was a there was a, a series of quest line that, that took you through getting all those different items, which at first I was bummed about that it didn't include that. However, my second playthrough of that chapter in, in my uh, attempt to get all the quests is that they basically have you do that quest line, except it's not for those items. It's not for the dress or the wig or the deodorant or whatever. Like, it's just another quest. But... Um, I was glad that they put it in there because it was kind of like that nostalgia. I'm like, well, where's, you know, where's that quest line? Like that was always, I always thought that was very interesting. Um, so while it doesn't still have the same effect of, you know, whether Corneo picks you or not, um, they do still have you run at least through that quest line, which is pretty much uh, identical to the original. But in this game, they, they obviously, they replaced that with the combat arena and, uh, even more interesting is they replaced it with uh, dancing at the Honeybee Inn. That part was um, amazing. It was so good. I, yeah, I, it was I loved that part. That was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was really glad with the way that turned out because just it's something totally unexpected. You wouldn't think Cloud would do, and then he's he's up on stage busting a move, and and the music's good that's playing. Um, so, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like that whole chapter was, was just, uh, was a lot of fun. And then of course the, the, the theme, the, the kind of remixed Tifa theme that I was talking about earlier in the show, 
is where um, Aerith and Tifa kind of they they team together to go meet up Cloud with with uh, Corneo, and so that music that's playing while you're just kind of running around the mansion, I absolutely loved that track. That was one of my mm-hmm. favorites in the entire game. Yep. Yeah, it was good stuff. That wall market, that whole wall market thing, because that was one of the parts of the game that I was really interested to see how they would do it, especially after seeing how they handled stuff up until then. I was like, oh man, this it kind of it, it kind of left you to expect the wall market to be this, um, to get that same type of treatment as the rest of the game had gotten so far up into then. So getting the uh, expanded squat challenge and um, the dancing scene in the honeybee and and being able to peek through the keyholes still, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. while you're in there and looking <laughs> through the other rooms, like that was all still there and. And then uh, Luke, you had mentioned it back earlier, the uh, the nooks and crannies, like the alleyways. And <clears throat> the really cool thing, what I found cool about those alleyways is that whenever you got in there, they were populated with people who mm-hmm. were not like as bright and cheery as the ones out celebrating the town. They were like, dude, get out of here. I'm punching you in the face. You know, don't come back here. Somebody's going to kill you. It was that type of thing. It kind of got you into that seedier underground of of the wall market as if it could be any more you would find it in these little these little alleyways alcoves or whatnot that you would um that you could stumble into basically um and yeah the um as for over the top characters i think don takes it for this game like he was (laughs) he was intense on that on that over the top um that that belly jiggle though right (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah the physics (laughs) yeah (laughs) But yeah, so good. It was it was just a, a really well made part of the game. I agree. Yep. Um, any any other parts or specifics you guys wanted to to touch on? Not really. You guys have like put put your speculation on what you think is going to poss- possibly happen in um, the the next game and and. It, where I guess I kind of want to end off this discussion in the spoiler cast because I'm just looking at time and we're sitting at what are we at here? Like two, almost three hours. Yeah, almost three be. hours. So, okay. um, where what do I've asked Adam this question? Probably this is like the third or fourth time I've asked this on a, a podcast episode. But like, how do we see? the rest of this remake being released and what kind of timeline do we expect um, in terms of seeing these games? So I don't know. I guess I'll start with you, Stephen. How many parts are we getting and when are they coming out? I think it's going to be three parts. We'll get the next one uh, and it'll be, it'll be a two year time frame between the, between the game, between mm-hmm. the parts. So I think over the, it's going to be uh, over six, I guess, would it be six years? Right. No, over four years, the next two parts will come out, um, and we'll have we'll have a three part series. I think they'll kind of stick to that three disc game idea that they had back in the back in the day. And you'll have Act One, which is the setup. Act Two, which is uh, you know um, now we have no idea. I have no idea where it's going to go in in Part Two here, but uh, we're going to kind of have this setup for the end and what the what the uh, the antagonist is going to be up to mm-hmm. and then part three will kind of be that let's bring everything to the close send right. them up to the crater and uh and close up shop on it and do you think like second part um seen as four to five hours was made into a 40 hour game 
is this second part is it going to be around 40 hours as well or are they going to pull like a persona 5 royal and just drop a hundred plus hour game like what do you expect the length of these to be uh so main story wise it's probably going to hit that 40 hour mark but if i'm my 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 thought on this on this part too is that the open world is going to hit us now um we're going to get that same thing as what we got from 15 or anything like that where we're finally going to get to explore a world um and get random encounters out in the field and explore forests and things like that i think that's going to be what we're what we can expect from part two but the main story itself uh we're probably looking at at the same thing probably about 40 hours again um but yeah Um, I, I, I'm honestly not sure because, um, I've read some, some interviews that have come, uh, since the game's launch. One of, you know, one of them says that, uh, they want to launch shorter sections of the game more frequently. Like we might see more like 20 hour games Hmm. that like, uh, come out. So maybe we could see these on like a yearly basis, um, mm. at which point, you know, I think if they do that, if they, they just launch, you know, 20, 20 hours or so at a time, I, I think that could be yearly. And I think that we might then see maybe like another six, uh, six or seven episodes to it. Um, if they don't do that and they just stick to full games, I think it'll be probably uh, three games total, a trilogy. And I think there'll be... Um, you know, the, the follow-up games will probably be 40 to 50 hours a piece. I think they'll streamline things a little bit. I think Midgar was always kind of that, the the, the long portion of the game. Because, I mean, in the original, you don't spend as much time really anywhere else as you do in that first right. first point of Midgar. Um, so I think, again, yeah, this game was, was definitely the setup. And I think, um, you know, going into the next games like yeah we could see those open worlds and stuff i think things will be a little bit more streamlined too i think the story will maybe progress a little quicker um than uh than the original one did um just because they're fitting in more stuff on a larger scale um i think it'll still remain pretty story heavy with some exploration but not a ton um and uh, so the other thing I saw too, another interview, I think this one was on IGN. I don't have the, the source with me or anything, but there was an interview that came out that said they're actually not going to, or I think it was from the, the main guy, Nomura, mm-hmm. who said they're not planning on straying too far from the original uh, story. Yeah, I saw that as well. So they might keep it pretty pretty close to the original with some uh, obviously some changes here and there again you know could be that Aerith uh, lives or you know maybe someone else dies or you know, maybe she dies at a different time like uh, it, so it'll be interesting I, I believe there's already someone may have uh, you know through another interview may have uh, disproven that where it, it may still stray pretty far from the original so it's just everything's so up in the air right now yeah i'm i'm really hoping for three uh just because i think that would be make the most sense from everything that you guys have mentioned um if they did go shorter and went to like a an annual release type thing with yeah 20 hour games or something like that um i i i see a lot of problems with doing that but I do see the benefit of like, that would be rad in the sense that 
we would be able to play Final Fantasy every single year, right? Oh, yeah, like, that'd be awesome. We wouldn't have to wait however long. Um, you say two years, Steven. I'm really hoping that that's the max. I, I would die mm-hmm. if we had to wait, yeah. you know, more I, than that. I'm kind of looking back at, uh, what was it, 13 had multiple parts, mm-hmm. um, 10 and 10 2, all of those kind of had that, that one and a half to two year time frame between yeah. each of the releases. So that's kind of what I'm going based off. Square is anything, uh, if they're anything, they're consistent on the way that they do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems to be kind of the way that they've done multi-part releases in the past. Um, again, I'm, I'm with Adam. Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> it's oh, all yeah. speculation yeah. at that's, this point. That's where but, we're at, yeah. Um, but based off of history, uh, what it tells us uh, on how Square operates, we're probably looking at um, year and a half, two years between episodes, and uh, we'll get we'll get multiple part games out of it. If they do the episode release, like you guys were kind of mentioning, um, sort of that fifteen esque where we got you know episodes for each character. If they do something like that, I want it to be fill in the time that Barrett wasn't in my party in the first mm. part of the remake. You know, give me an episode Barrett. So I can see what he's up yeah, to while while I'm off gallivanting with with Aerith or, T, or Tifa or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. <clears throat> cool. Um, I guess uh, any any other thoughts before we end off here? No, I don't think so. Okay, yeah, that does it for me. Yeah. Well. Um, Thanks, guys, for, uh, you know, meeting a second time and, <laughs> and doing this podcast again. Uh, it's a great game. Lots of great discussion, I, I think. So, um, but also, uh, you know, we want to thank everyone that that's listening in on the episode. Um, you know, we appreciate you tuning in to Games Are Fun. We really appreciate you ha- having you as part of the community. Um it would really mean a lot to us if you could uh, share, you know, retweet this this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. Um, we're always happy to have new listeners. Um, you know, we're, we're uh, eager to, to chat with you guys and, um, you know, talk about games. So uh, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Games Are Fun Pod and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Games Are Fun Podcast. Uh, Steven, where can people fo- follow you? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter, uh, Lordly King Estot, and you can also find me on Twitch at the same handle. Um, I'm also on Instagram every once in a while. Uh, again, Lordly King Estot. How about you, Luke? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Luke Allen Arm, and I'm kind of bringing up my Twitch from from the grave. I think I'm thinking about doing <laughs> some uh, streaming of Predator Hunting Grounds in the next couple of weeks. So. Uh, you can go twitch.tv slash Luke the Llama. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at AdamPalooza85 and on Twitch at AdamPalooza85. So uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. And uh, Stephen and Luke for, for joining me on this episode. Um, was one I was really looking forward to. Yeah. Love this game a lot. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a great show. Um, thanks again, everybody, and we'll uh, talk to you next time. 